0: Thursday, May the 12th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everyone is having a very nice week. Coming off the Kentucky Derby, we have plenty of horse racing to discuss here, and we're going to talk about that Kentucky Derby winner in just a moment. We'll get into Friday racing from Santa Anita, then we'll get into Saturday racing from Belmont, from Santa Anita, and from Louisiana Downs. We'll get into our... Weekly This Week in Wrestling segment with Chad Cooper Where we recap everything going on in WWE We talk about the pay-per-view, WrestleMania Backlash Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, NXT And then we also get into AEW And Then we'll finish this up with the old wrestling rewatch. We've got Spring Stampede 1994 We head back to WCW with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali now, because there's a lot of other stuff happening in, in the world of sports, I want it to be as accurate as possible and as time-sensitive as possible. So we have a couple NBA games going right as I'm starting to record. And I wanted to make sure that when... Normally, I would have Eric come in to record with me on Thursday evening and we talk about NBA stuff. But I want to make sure both of the games are finished and we can really dive into everything else. So the the on a Friday morning early episode, I'll have Eric helping me out talking about nba i'm gonna dive in and take a quick look at the nfl schedule it was just released so nfl schedule is out now you can go take a look at your favorite teams and see who they play when they play and uh Get a feel for uh, what the couple, the first couple of weeks uh, of the season will be like for your favorite team. So I'm going to go through the first couple, maybe the first two or three weeks, and pick out some game highlights. That'll be tomorrow. So on tomorrow's episode, the next one that follows this, we'll get NBA with Eric. We'll check in on baseball and see what's going on uh, over the last week or so, and we'll dive into uh, maybe a little weekend preview of some important games to watch. Then we'll talk about that NFL schedule, and then we'll set you up for Sunday racing, with Louisiana Downs and Santa Anita Sunday, and then Louisiana Downs Monday. So you'll have a lot Coming up in the next few days All the Friday, Saturday racing We'll have Sunday, even some Monday racing You'll have the normal basketball with Eric on the next episode You'll have wrestling with Chad Cooper It's just going to be split up between uh, between two episodes uh, One that releases tonight And then another uh, I say tonight when most of you are listening to this and Tonight might be a different night One that releases on this one on Thursday And then the Friday one will uh, will set you up for a little bit later into the weekend This episode Sponsored by BetterThan.Vegas Go give them a follow at BTVBets Incredible schedule right now of live streams So if you follow them on Twitter Previews every day for major sporting events Baseball games, basketball games Anytime there's big tennis Events, golf events. There's going to be NASCAR and UFC shows starting now. We are going to do be diving into Star Wars stuff. There's a, a fun comedy show called The Lineup in the backdoor cover Mondays and Thursdays. We preview the early pick five for Woodbine Mohawk for standard bread racing. Unbelievable variety for you sports fans. It's all free content. All you have to do is just follow on Twitter. Better than Vegas. They give away. Free bets a lot of the times And then if it wins you get to keep the cash There's a website that Doesn't cost you anything to sign up for If you go check it out You can see videos from people all around the world That post their best bets And uh, how they're playing different sporting events And and races and all sorts of different things So give them a look Better than dot vegas We are going to get right into The horse racing portion of this episode So kick back and get ready As we'll set you up for the weekend horse racing fans many of us have been using the DRF the daily racing Form, for years Studying the races, keeping up to date on news With all the articles I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store Or picking one up at the local racetrack Wherever I was going Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever To use DRF with DRF.com And the newly optimized DRF mobile You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse. And you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with, with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays, if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers, you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph, you can rotate your phone for the best view. And Any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines You can easily move from horse to horse The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances You get an interactive format Which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches and so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone cross-device functionality you can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices on-the-go handicapping and wagering
2: fantasy comes
0: true but no 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 stable duel. download the stable duel app and play today friday morning at 10 a.m eastern time 7 a.m pacific time this weekend in stable duel with myself and barry spears normally matt Desantis is with us this weekend it'll just be me and barry and we'll give you all of our best bets for friday's saturday stable duel contest in that show you only get horses that are five to one plus. There are no favorites ever given out. We're not trying to stack win percentages or anything. We just want to help you win money, and we want to pick big prices and try to get horses that could help you out in your stable dual lineups. Maybe be nice pick four, pick five horses that could really change your day. The schedule on Friday for stable duel games, you've got Pimlico, Gulfstream, Hawthorne, Santa Anita, Lone Star, and Woodbine, all with contest. And then on Saturday, You've got Gulfstream, Pimlico, Lone Star, Santa Anita, Hawthorne, and Monmouth with a free ride. There's a Hawthorne free ride on Friday. Sunday, you've got Gulfstream, Pimlico, Hawthorne, and Santa Anita. Get those entries in and play, race, win, take advantage of those free contests this weekend and come hang out with us Friday morning. Set your alarms, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Just give me a follow on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. It'll pop right up as a tweet. It'll be a video and it'll uh, it'll be live and we'll go through the past performances using the DRF, the Daily Racing Form Past Performances, those formulator PPs. We'll look at some race replays, dive into some charts and really get deep into it for Friday-Saturday Racing. We found out that the Kentucky Derby winner, Rich Strike, who was the longest shot in the field in a massive upset, is now going to pass on the Kentucky Derby. The connections have said that they have, they're taking the cold out of consideration for the Preakness. He's going to await the Belmont on June the 11th. Rick Dawson, the owner, and Eric Reed, the trainer, said they believe running back in two weeks was not in the best interest of Rich Strike. They said giving him five weeks... Between was more suitable And the This reading from an article from Daily Racing Form that says their decision is Reminiscent of what was done 40 years Ago with Gato Del Sol who won the derby then Skipped the Preakness to run in the Belmont He finished second in the Belmont And the uh, Three A uh, couple years later spend a buck skip the Preakness after winning the derby to chase A lucrative bonus at Garden State Park Tied to the Jersey Derby And then there was a Uh, The last time a derby winner missed the Preakness was Country House uh, because he had never raced again. He suffered a career-ending injury, uh, as did Grindstone. Medina Spirit last year, it goes on to talk about, who finished third in the Preakness. Dawson, the owner, released a statement that said, uh, what's best for Richie is what's best for our group. That's what the nickname is for Rich Strike. So they're going to be passing on running in the Preakness, pointing towards the Belmont prior to the race that the outcome and the condition of our horse was going to drive the schedule, and if he needed more recovery time, the Belmont was appropriate. They always want to do what is right by the horse. Rich Strike got the job done in the Derby. He's going to be skipping the Preakness and heading to the Belmont, and right now it looks like we've got Creative Minister, Early Voting, Epicenter, Happy Jack, Rattle and Roll, Secret Oath, Shake Em Loose, Simplification, Skippy Long, Stocking Unoho, and Zandon as uh, possibilities for the Preakness. I, I don't like to react to these things like positively or negatively because I feel I've and, and because of unfortunately a lot of like negative news in horse racing over the last few years. Now I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not taking this as like negative or positive. I just sort of want to let see it play, see it play out because I don't want to react immediately and say, "Oh, everybody's doing great and doing what's right by the horse," and then we find out something in a few days. Because I think a lot of people immediately give a ton of praise, and then we've kind of been made silly sometimes by uh, finding out that maybe the praise. Was unwarranted, and then on the flip side There have been times where you're too cynical And we find out afterwards that it might not have been What we have thought, so I just like to Let things play out like this, and If that is the truly the case And we don't see Rich Strike in a few weeks But we do see him in the Belmont, he runs well In there, he has a nice career moving forward Then uh, obviously it's the the right decision for him And we'll see as, uh, as more information Comes out, I'll react and respond to it But this was certainly a surprise You very rarely, in this day and age Would imagine a horse Won the derby with the chance to go win the triple Crown and not Go take a swing especially For connections like this who don't who are Smaller time connections they don't have Horses in the derby all the time They're not ones with multiple derby Winners where you know going To the Preakness isn't something that big Of a deal I feel like that would be A huge deal for most people But got to do what is best For the horse we'll see what comes from From this moving forward Rich Strike Who won the Derby, he is now out of the Preakness, pointing to the Belmont. Let's point to Santa Anita's races for Friday. Get your past performances out. We're going to look at May the 13th for Friday. We're going to take a look at some races starting with, uh, with the fourth race. Well, because the third race I thought was going to be a little bit chalky. A couple races early on the card I thought were going to be chalky. Like Octane probably looks pretty tough in race two to me. So let's go to race number four, where I thought Offshore Affair was interesting. So he's got three wins, all of them there at a, at a mile. It seems like five furlongs is a little too short, or some of those sprint races are. And once he gets beyond a mile, it's a little bit too far for him. He's really capable on the dirt. The major concern is the rail going seven furlongs but he seems like he has enough positional speed where I think he can use it, end up securing a nice spot, and if somebody else wants to go, then he can sit a little bit. But he might be the quickest in this field, and I wouldn't be all that shocked to see him on the front end. It'll probably be between him and uh, Octopus. I, The way I think it plays out is Octopus goes, and Offshore Affair sits right behind, and, and hopefully that's the, the trip they can work out. So the one, Offshore Affair, it's 7-2 to 2 on the morning line, We will use in all early exotics And uh, we'll make a win wager If we can get anything over 5-2 to In race number 5 A couple horses I thought were interesting in here It's a 50 claimer Six furlongs on the turf course The two Olympic legend drawn down towards the inside Which will sort of force him He's pretty quick And he exits a couple tough races That have come back live already He had a little trouble a couple starts back And I think the game plan for him has got to be To get aggressive and to go So I'll use Olympic Legend in all early exotics And I'll also use the 5 City Rage Olympic Legend is 15 to 1 And should be forwardly placed City Rage is a a much more logical runner Who comes out of a very very live race Had trouble in that one We've already seen a couple horses come back to win next time out And he really makes a lot of sense If they go too quick He's one of the horses who should really benefit from that So 2 and 5 for me Are a couple that I would use in exotics In race number 5 Let's get to the sixth race. I'm looking at the number seven in here, a first-time starter named Super Chief. uh, This is a barn that's 0 for 4 with first-time starters over the last five years, but they do pretty well with horses off the bench, and I kind of treat that sort of similarly. They have horses that have fired pretty well um, on a plus-61-day layoff. A couple wins. They just had a recent winner at 7-1. to 1. I was pretty partial to the work on XBTV. You can watch the May 6th. Now, I don't pretend to be a workout expert, but I, I sort of like the work uh, in the mornings there. The dam of this guy was a three-time winner. This is the first full Super Chief. I'll be using him in exotics there on Friday in race number 6. That's the number seventy six to one on the morning line. We wouldn't want to take anything shorter than about 4-1, to 1, though. In race number 7... We take a look towards the outside with the number 8. I'm talking about Little Grayson Because there's just a ton of speed on paper in here. Little Grayson is really consistent. This is a, a mare who's now 8 years old. And I think she finally seems to have found a, a field with an, enough early pace to set up her rally. She will likely come running and pass horses in every race. But a lot of times in smaller fields, she just isn't quite as quick as a, some of the others. So she has to sit behind. In the March 12th race Which was uh, her, race is two starts, her race two starts ago There were three next out winners And the winner of the race Was one who sat really close She comes out of live races She's very honest She got squeezed back at the start On April the 16th And she ended up inside and last And then she moved nicely up the inside With some late energy She split horses I thought she was a pretty solid third um, in, in the most recent race Little Grayson, give her a, a look. Twelve to one on the morning line I'll be using in all exotics. I'll make a win wager if we can get anything over eight. Eight to one. Number uh oh, number race race number eight. We're gonna take a look at the number five. A mad mad world. All around the world. Familiar faces. Worn out places. Worn out places. Promise I didn't pick the horse just so I could sing the song. I do think this one's interesting with some, a little win early pedigree and some blood there. Now, the fourth place finisher from the race that he exits, which was a a maiden $150,000 claimer, so a really high level maiden claimer, won a maiden special weight at Golden Gate by four and a half next out with an 86 buyer. The third place finisher, won a maiden special weight at Santa Anita next out with a 94 buyer, won that race by seven. Comes out of a really live race. Now is going to stretch out and try the turf. And I just sort of eliminate horses in this field. I kind of look at the way it may shape up. It seems like you have a good amount of these horses that are stretching out or want to be forwardly placed in here. And it could set up for a horse like a Mad Mad World who I hope isn't on the lead, Shouldn't be way, way out of it now, moving from a sprint to a mile and an eighth on the turf course. Let's give this guy a shot in here at a price. He's 8-1 to to close out the Friday card at Santa Anita. That's May the 13th, Friday, Santa Anita. Best of luck there as we get set to turn the page to Saturday. Let's take a look at Belmont. They've got a good little stakes card at Belmont on Saturday. The Peter Pan and sort of a prep for the Belmont, which is going to be now... uh, uh, but four weeks uh, from, uh, from Saturday So let's talk some Belmont Get those past performances out For Saturday For Belmont Park Over at Belmont Park We'll turn to race number three And now we're looking at May the 14th For Belmont Park For Saturday And uh, let's talk about the number 2 in here Frank's Rocket. So this is the grade 3 Vagrancy They'll go 6.5 Furlongs You've got Bella Sophia Who returns We have not seen her since the Breeders' Cup Philly And Mare Sprint She's a grade 1 winner And a multiple graded stakes winner And she's super talented But I always like playing against horses like this In their first start back off a long layoff She's going to be short And maybe she's ready to rock Maybe she needs a race or two For some of her better efforts Let's play against Bella Sophia in here because right next door, there's a horse named Miss Brazil who's really fast. She's not going to make it easy on her. Kept Waiting is not slow. And Kendra Carmouche is aboard, who's a very good speed rider. Frank Roquette isn't really that slow. But I think the plan will be to sit off a little bit with Frank's Roquette. And Bella Sofia and Miss Brazil ran against each other in the... Jersey girl back in June of 2021, Miss Brazil was actually favored in that race over Bella Sofia, and they both had some problems. And what ends up happening with speed horses like that, they one, the presence of each other, I think, hurts them, but a little bit of a slow start, or maybe just not quite alert off the break. And then you're in some trouble because I don't know how much either one of them really wants to sit off. And maybe Bella Sofia in a small field With the outside draw, maybe she's matured A little bit, maybe she will, but I think The four, Miss Brazil and the five, Bella Sofia Go a little too quick early on Along with Kept Waiting, I'm looking at Franks Roquette. second start off the bench She can sit right behind She's a five year old mare, she's got Some experience, she likes Belmont Park She's shown that she can go a little bit Longer as she's gotten older in, When the spot is right, she used to be one That you didn't know if she even really wanted, wanted to go Six and a half or seven, but she can she can get those trips in the right circumstances Now Frank's Rockette Feels like uh, she found those circumstances The number two Frank's Rockette, she's three to one I would treat her like an early exotic single If she's five to two, I'd play her to win Let's get to race number five Taking a look at uh, Another stakes race here This one is the grade three, run happy Six Furlong sprint on the dirt On paper You got Chateau from the rail Who's really quick And this is a horse because of that inside draw. I think he's really going to make this pace fast. And you have Officiating, who's probably more of a a tracker. I'm not sure what to do with. But the two horses that feel like they're going to really light it up on paper are Mr. Phil and Chateau, the inside and the outside. Repo Rocks is not slow. I just don't think he's able to... He's as quick as the other two, so he probably ends up tracking a little bit more. I'm looking for some horses off the pace in here. I'm looking at Answer In, the 4. I think we can eliminate the race in the uh, in the off track last time out on March the 26th. He raced in the ninth at Aqueduct and that race said it was a sloppy racetrack. Prior to that, he was a nice runner up. In his first start for this barn, his just on numbers and figures, he fits pretty well, and if if we're projecting a trip from someone off the pace, he offers you pretty va- pretty nice value of some of those options of those horses who could be coming from off of it. Another one is drafted Who will go second start off a short little break Could be a little sharper Now he hasn't run some of his Better races at Belmont But I'm not quite sure if he Just hates it at Belmont because One of those races was Separated by a couple different layoffs That was the run happy actually back in May of last year of 2021 And then the other Belmont race There was one that was in the slop and then the Other one was a race coming from off the bench Where he had a little bit of trouble so I don't think it's it's as if he doesn't like Belmont. I think there are three races where he may have some legitimate reasons why he just didn't run all that well. I'll use the four and the two in all exotics there. Answer ends the better price. It's 6-1, to one, but drafted makes a whole lot of sense. I wouldn't want to leave him out. Let's move to race number eight. Now, this is another stakes race. They'll be going uh, long on the turf course here. And the horse I want to play, I'm just a little... A little trepidatious on playing, mainly because I I just don't know if Abon is good enough. But from a tactical standpoint, he again should get the benefit of being a lot quicker than some of his rivals. He can sit a little bit, but I hope that's not what he does. I, I think Aban, the number four in race number eight, we're talking about the grade one Man of War. Abon was second behind Gufo in the Pan American on April 2nd at Gulfstream. And Gufo just ran right by him that day That was Gufo's first start of the year So Gufo, I will not leave him out of exotics Of the short prices, I prefer him Abond, again though, should be able to get a couple lengths jump on this group I think he waited a little bit too long He tried to sit and then use his speed and then pounce I'm more of a fan of speed horses or stalkers in these distance races Trying to make the early move and open up I'd like to get as much separation as possible Because I think if you wait, wait, wait Sometimes you leave These deeper closers in the race And In this particular spot I'm hoping that a Bond will try to get some more separation There's there's one other Speed horse in here And it'll probably be so high that goes A Bond that sits second And then let's see if a Bond can just move early And try to get a little uh, You know, a little 3 or 4 length lead over uh, Over a horse like Goofo, because I just you Gotta get a couple lengths when these deep closers Build up their momentum, I'm gonna play against Abir, who was your Breeders' Cup turf winner Abir, who's a Group 1 winner, and who Following that Breeders' Cup Group 1, went over to Maidon And was second in the Shima Classic Which is a grade 1, group 1 Then went back to New Market And was second in the Betfair Exchange Jockey Club, which is a group 2 and that was on April the 29th. That was two weeks ago. So it went from March, Dubai, back to Newmarket in April, and then two weeks later is here at Belmont Park. I think that's a lot. So I'm going to play against Ibir. I'll use the four, Aban, the two, Gufo, in all exotics. Let's get to the ninth. It's the Peter Pan, the uh, prep race for the Belmont. For some horses that are maybe a little more late developing than the horses that were in the Kentucky Derby. Maybe horses that wanted to go a little bit longer. They get the then what the the prep races were allowing them to go at those points. Now they get a mile and an eighth here in the Peter Pan and uh, they hope to get their chances into a mile and a half for the Belmont. I like the five. Golden Glider. He comes out of the bluegrass. He was fourth that day. He was behind Zandon, Smile Happy, and Emmanuel. It was a field of 11. He was 60 to 1, and he was fourth behind three horses that are just better than him. In the Tampa Bay Derby, two starts back. He was again fourth. He was only beaten three lengths in a race where I thought he had legitimate trouble. He was inside. He was seventh, but he was only about three or four lengths off early, but he was behind a wall of horses. He had nowhere to go. He tried to move through some traffic. He had to wait. He had to angle outside. He ends up just missing second. I think he might have been second best. And without some of that trouble, he could have been a lot closer. I don't know if he was winning the race, but he's progressing nicely. He ran into a Lone Speed horse in Classic Causeway in a few different starts. And then last time out, behind three horses that were just better than him. I feel like it's a nice spot for Golden Glider. The number five, he's four to one on the morning line. If he's anything over three, I'll make a win wager and we'll use him in all late exotics. The 10th race is another stakes race, but I don't really have anything too creative or uh, too outside the box to tell you. I thought Rougier would probably be pretty tough for Chad Brown, and uh Lemista is the other one. If you wanted to find some sort of a price, maybe it would be High Opinion, who's in nice form right now, or maybe you could try to find some horse who can get out in front of these horses, like Stolen Holiday. That would be the next uh, kind of group uh, of horses I would use, but I just... I didn't love anything that much and couldn't find anything too creative in the tent there at Belmont Park. But a good Saturday of stakes races coming up at Belmont on May the 14th. Let's move from Belmont on over to Santa Anita. And I know someone who's been out to Santa Anita many times, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. That name probably sounds familiar to you. She's the wife of former trainer Jack Carava, who now is a jockey agent. And Cindy, as a full-service realtor, she can help you out in many different ways, like buying, selling, leasing, everything around Santa Anita in the San Gabriel Valley. She's got tons of listings, and she can help you look at anything in the Santa Anita area. Maybe you want to go down by Del Mar, the North San Diego County. She'll help you out there. If you're not in one of those areas, don't worry. You can contact Cindy, and she will find someone that's local, that will help you out, that she knows, that she's that she trusts, She is one of the kindest and most genuine people you'll ever meet. She's not going to BS you. She's not going to lie to you. She's going to tell you exactly what you need to know. She's going to make your life easier, and she is going to take so many things off your plate. Uh, That checklist is going to be so much easier Simpler for you as Cindy takes care of everything. She can connect you with vendors if you need help with home improvement, like gardeners, landscapers, painters. Maybe you're having trouble with the loan process. She'll connect you with the right type of lenders who are going to make things easier there and they're going to expedite that for you. Her website, CindyCarava.com, CindyCarava.com. You can find her listings there. You can find information about her on Yelp and Zillow, different reviews from people that she's worked with. CindyCarava.com, one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said. Let's continue on Saturday over at Santa Anita. Get those past performances out for May the 14th. Okay, we'll take a look at uh, most of the races on the Saturday card at Santa Anita, starting with race number one on May the 14th, optional non 2 Going a mile on the turf course there, I thought... The six, there goes Harvard. It was very well spotted. He just doesn't do a whole lot wrong in his career. And I like when horses that have been settling for minor awards put together a big, powerful win. Sometimes it's when things really start to open up for them. They start to really figure things out. And that was a... A nice win. It felt like he improved in his second start as a four-year-old. I think he can keep getting better. He returns to the turf. He's got some tactical speed. And he can probably be sitting third or fourth in here. Third start off the form cycle. There are a lot of things to like about the number six. There goes Harvard. Four to one on the morning line. We use him in all exotics. Possibly uh, an early single there in uh, in your pick five or make a win wager if he's over seven to two. Let's move to race number three. I'm looking at the number six girl ranger. In her last two starts, I think she has some legitimate trouble, and those are her only two turf tries. March the 12th, she was taken back to fifth. She was in between horses. Just kind of, she got unlucky because she then got stuck in between horses, and she just didn't seem like she was liking it in all that in that crowd in that traffic. She got an opening, and she ended up finishing a really solid second that day. And she comes back on April the 16th. She was last. She was about five or six off after a a poor start, and that was the the farthest back she'd ever been in any of her races early on. She's always sat a little closer within a few lengths, and I think we can just put a line right through it. She moved inside, and then she had to kind of stop, and then she angled around, and it was a little bit better than it might have looked on paper again. You have Hernandez jumping on for the third start off of the bench, the number... Five Girl Ranger is six to one on the morning line. If she's anything over seven to two, I'm going to make a win wager there in race number three. Let's move along to race number five. So this is the Santa Barbara. They'll go a mile and a half on the turf course. Green, uh, Queen Goddess makes a ton of sense. Neige Blanche makes a, a lot of sense. If you're looking for maybe a new face, Queen of the Temple, because I could see versions of this race where you've got. Queen Goddess being forwardly placed Trying to get a little aggressive You've got Neji Blanche trying to get more Aggressive because they Let this horse get away last time Out and and move early And then cover version coming out of some Shorter races I could see Getting a little aggressive and wanting to be Up close and if that does Happen maybe it, it sets up for a horse like Queen of the temple who is Moving forward nicely feel like She can run all day long She went from A mile To a mile and an eighth And she broke her maiden Now she progresses Making her third start Off of the very long layoff She can take a good step forward in here And after the top two Nobody really scares the heck out of me So I'm going to make sure I use her In case she's a a horse Who ends up tripping out in here Let's get to race number six Maiden $40,000 claimers I'm looking at a a couple in here And I think John Sadler Has a very strong hand But I will include Violent Runner Who tries to dirt for the first time She's a four year old filly Her lone sib was a filly who ran for Brad Cox and who won the debut at Keeneland in one of those high-level maiden claimers. That was a $150,000 maiden claimer. Won that day by eight lengths. And Violent Runner just didn't fire. But she's been training fine on the dirt. She has a fine enough pedigree, and she goes out for a very capable barn who has another horse in this race who's going to have a little more speed. So if your ringer loses, it's probably because your ringer had to deal with pace pressure from Darling Donna... Maybe Sweet Heidelberg, and maybe even the first timer from the outside. And Violent Runner could be the benefit of a pace battle if that were to develop. Violent Runner, the number five in race number six, I'll use with the number two, two, five in exotics if you're playing the late pick four or anything there. Let's move to the seventh race. I like the number eight in here in race number seven. That is Respect My Candor, who was in traffic right away and then had to back up and got shuffled from the inside, was behind horses, then moved through an opening and angled around, but was not quite quick enough to get through that opening, so got pushed into a bad spot, really kept trying hard, and ended up winning a battle for fourth where it didn't look like she was going to. And that was her first start in a while. She had not raced since November of 2020, and she came back on April of in April of 2022. Second start off the long layoff. Second time for the new barn. Plenty of time in between races. Over a month now to recover. If that race took anything out of her. Respect my candor. The number 8. Who is to 8-1 on the morning line. will make a win wager if we can get anything over 5. The 8th race. Maiden specials going a mile for 3 year olds and up. I thought the 3QB1 was uh, ripe for some improvement in here. I liked his March 27th race when he went long. Thought there was some upside there as a horse who just was figuring it out and needed a little bit of pace to run at. And then he just, he was towards the back on April the 17th, and he was in between horses. He was wide, but he was only two lengths off, three lengths off, and he he just kind of backed up. He was in traffic. Now he adds the blinks. It, It feels like this should give him a lot of focus. I like what we've been seeing from him in the mornings recently. It seems like he's perked up a little bit. And I can excuse his last effort. Let's give QB1 a big look in here. He is 5-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 7-2 to two feels fair. In the ninth, it's a 50 starter going a mile on the turf course. I'll lean towards the one, Vorolenti, who had some trouble, like three races in a row, then dropped in, got some major class relief. She beat a lot softer group. She was kind of wandering a little bit late. I think she's certainly capable of saving ground, in getting a nice trip in here. Nobody scares the heck out of me with this Vow. Looks pretty quick. Brittle and you, I think, will probably be forwardly placed. I wouldn't be shocked to see maybe one or two others, like Sky on Ice, show a little bit of speed towards the outside. Floral Essence is probably going to be flashing some speed and then Dream Princess with the outside draw. They could be going quick. I'll take a horse that's going to save some ground from the inside, like the one who had some troubled trips, form that fits, and then comes off of a, a nice confidence-building win. That's the one in race number nine, Eight to 8-1 on the morning line. Anything over five will make a win wager. That's Saturday for Santa Anita. We'll have some Sunday Santa Anita plays for you on the next episode of That's What G Said podcast. But we uh, we still have some more Saturday action as we head on over to Louisiana Downs. I've been helping out on the broadcast I um, provide pre-race analysis if you're watching the track feed for Louisiana Downs, and then some post-race thoughts after each race. Talk about sort of what happened, maybe a horse or two to keep an eye on and play back next time out. Um, Good moves by some of the jockeys in those races. Come hang out with us Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, like this Saturday. Louisiana Downs, May the 14th, first post, 3.05 p.m. Central Time. Let's talk about the card seven race card. There's a pick four that starts in race number four. It's a fifty cent base. It's a fifteen percent takeout there, and uh, you can take a swing in that thing every single day. I will be, uh, I'll be swinging. Race number one, the two put a bow on it. So we're looking Louisiana Downs May 14th, race one, maiden special weights, five furlongs on the turf course. Put a bow on it. Has proven some speed. Has shown speed sprinting. Proven sprint speed couple of winning siblings on the turf she'll try the grass for the first time and she debuted at Monmouth and then was racing at Churchill Downs so she's actually kept pretty nice company then went over to to Delta and was a a runner-up against Maiden Specials on January the 19th before not the best of efforts in a race where she just drew the rail and just didn't fire on March the 4th I'm using the two I'm using the three little e whose dam was a winner on the turf all four races on the grass were in the money by that dam And she was multiple stakes placed at Louisiana Downs. There was just one other foal that was produced by the dam, and that mare won won for three on the turf. So not a lot of turf experience from the pedigree, but the horses that have run on it have actually performed pretty well. I'm going to use the three. The five flowers a priority. Blinkers come off. Some of the more proven turf form in here. The barn is very good off a of plus 180 day layoff. 12% with a 237 ROI. They've had 9-1 and 12-1 to winners in the last few years off of long layoffs. couple solid top three tries on the turf. Got some speed. Can sit off. This is the one to beat. Just hasn't raced since September. Have I ever... At 8-5, we'll try turf for the first time. The dam was a multiple winner on the turf. One sibling tried the turf, didn't win on it, but did finish second, third with a couple of fourths, so it wasn't as if she was bad on the grass. 2-3, 5-7 in the opener. That's how I stacked them. Race number two at Louisiana Downs on Saturday. Maiden, 5,000 claimers, 5.5 on the dirt. The number six, Cowboy Hey, hey. We'll be making career start number three. He's going to drop in from Maiden 10 claimers to Maiden 5 claimers for a barn who has a really nice start to the meet, the Greg Tracy barn, already with three winners early on in the first five. Cowboy Hey, hey has a jock aboard who had a four-win day the other day in Carlos Lozada. The dam of this one was a three-time winner, so there's a little bit of a pedigree here. She's also produced a winning sibling, and this is a class dropper who has multiple works over the turf course. The barn is very capable off of a, a freshening like this, and this jockey-trainer combo have been positive together. So for a horse who's a big price, I'm going to use the six and some exotics. The four confess is hands down the horse to beat. He exits so much tougher races. He's 0 for 12, though. He's one that's really hard to trust, but mo- anything close to what he's been running lately would, would probably just crush this group. The number 5 in Stein, is another uh, one taking a drop, but does move in from... The Louisiana Bread races to the open company. Not facing any monsters today. You should get a, a much improved effort from the five, six, four, five in race number two. Third race, heading to uh, the turf course mile there. Louisiana Bread, maiden 15 claimers there. The number six, Ronalds Gatsby, has had legit trouble in a few of his recent starts. He can use some positional speed and. He's not that fast, but he can sit At least within Some striking range here, and you have a Very good speed rider aboard in Jose e. Guerrero, the number 6, Ronald Gatsby, in the exotics For me, along with the 4, 1 for Vivi That's the horse to beat, was in some traffic uh, Last time out, and then Moved to the 2 path Early on, and again got caught In some traffic, and then just sort of Backed up, does have a, a winning Turf sib, so wouldn't be a shock to see this one start to figure things out, especially on the drop in class here. That debut race has produced three next-out winners, and the second start has also produced a, a next-out winner. So coming out of some much tougher races, you've got the two Shady Grady, who only has a couple races on the turf, and one of them at a similar level, and was third that day. six-four-two in the third. Race four kicks off the pick four, and you can play that thing for 50 cents. With a 15% takeout. Six furlongs on the dirt. The number six. Love to learn. Is not that fast early. He's going to need a little help up front. But she is in the best, most recent, consistent form of anyone. In her last four starts, she's got a win. A second and a couple thirds. But she's been the beaten favorite in two of those last three. But her last ten races, nine of ten in the money. With a couple really nice efforts. Three wins, two seconds, four thirds. And one race where... She was pulled up, so you look at her page and there's just not a whole lot to dislike, and even the races where she maybe didn't win, she kind of has some legitimate excuses when you watch those races. The number four, the complete court, the five-year-old mayor who has probably shown the most speed consistently in this field. She's proven at Louisiana Downs, and she has been defeated by the number one, Galaxy 36 a few times but this race might give her a pace advantage in she I don't know if, I don't know if she's had that in other spots she may be the quickest and maybe a little bit easier for her in here 641 Galaxy 36 feels like the horse to beat in great form the rail is a little bit of a concern she drew the rail in her last two both of them were losses and one of them as the heavy favorite did finish second and third in those 641 Fifth race maiden specials on the turf course seven and a half furlongs. I like the one connect it. Going to be really tough in here. The February thirteenth race was uh, legit, legit trouble, and the January twenty eighth race was also trouble. But the February thirteenth race was inside, got shuffled a couple lengths because of some traffic, and then again got shuffled had to angle around and came running up late for second it was pretty impressive from the one connected who i think has found a good feel here to try to save all the ground the four swizzle city is back to the green and uh, the race is going long on the turf they're they're not bad they're a little bit better than they may look at first glance too when you see they were some decent sized field and she may have not had the most the most beneficial trips 7 American Deputies Going to go 3rd, start off the bench And she can stock pretty nicely So that should be a big positive For her Then you have the, uh, the 3 Early Dismissal, whose dam was a multiple winner On the turf, a couple winning turf sibs And a little bit of speed there For early Dismissal One four seven three In race number 5 Get to the 6th race Allowance non-3 this is a six furlong or five and a half furlong dirt race for Louisiana Breds, Phillies, and Mares. The three horse is going to be the selection for me, drop dead sexy, who's really fast. If you put a line through the stakes race and you put a line through her last effort, which is one that sent her to the bench for a couple months, the form overall is pretty good. And she may be able to outrun this field. She actually has defeated Royal O'Hagan. That's a no doubt major player in here. Canada's Customs is the other. If she gets more of a trip, if they go a little quick early, she could probably sit off a little better than Royal O'Hagan. And Debbie's Passage is the other one who I think is kind of interesting. Her last two wins have been really impressive for this barn since coming in. So, three, four, five, six in race 6 at Louisiana Downs on Saturday. Let's finish up with race number 7. I like the 3 in here, Osceola. Who faced an open maiden special weight group on February the 26th? And now Jose A. Guerrero keeps the faith. This horse uh, showed a little bit of speed that day. The race has already come back live. The second place finisher, Majestic Mandate, won a maiden special weight at Sam Houston next out. The fifth place finisher won a maiden special weight next out at Lone Star. The 1A is the horse of the uh, entry that I prefer for Joe Foster. Was second in a race where we've already seen the third place finisher come back. Now that was against Maiden Claimers. But the races that sh- that he ran against Maiden Special Weights, uh, Louisiana-bred Maiden Special Weights, would actually compare very, very well in here. So he fits nicely. And you get the two-for-one action with the entry there. The number five, he's a sexy zong. Is one who didn't have the best of starts on March the f- 17th at Fairgrounds. I think you can be forgiving and excuse that beginning. If you put a line through that, you're left with form that makes a little bit more sense. A debut, finishing second at Delta, came back with another second-place effort. And then on February the 25th, the race was off the track, or was a muddy track that day at Delta Downs. So you can probably make a couple excuses for the last few, why you hadn't seen all that much progression. Let's use the five in some exotics there. 3-1-A-5 to close out the Saturday card over at... Louisiana Downs so that's uh, some Friday Saturday racing for you we'll have some Sunday and some Monday racing for you coming up on uh, on the next episode as we get to the wrestling portion we're going to go to this weekend wrestling with Chad Cooper we're going to talk Backlash, Monday Night Raw, NXT and AEW and then following that we'll hit the old wrestling rewatch first up it's Koopa Loop here it is folks fight of the night and trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's
3: this week's wrestling recap. All right, number. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad. Cooper.
0: It's time for this week in wrestling With Koopaloop The Chad Cooper And we're going to talk about Wrestlemania Backlash We'll talk a little bit about Smackdown, Raw, NXT And AEW But Koopaloop, the first thing I've got to ask you Because it encompasses a couple of these shows But it's the thing that's been on my mind the most this week in wrestling What the hell are they doing with Lacey Evans? (laughs) (laughs) Like
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well we've been talking about this every week Right after the third one And now didn't they Replay the one from Friday
0: night on Raw And then on Friday they had her They had the uh, like announcement Like you would do for a heel Right show some respect For so and so And some of the little lines that she's Been dropping in these videos We've been picking up like Gosh they come off heelish I don't know what they're doing And if this is some like backwards Thing but the the way that They are using her real life stuff It's like I, I feel Uncomfortable right now because I don't know if I'm supposed To cheer her or boo her and I don't really want to boo her because she's Had some of these these are like real problems But if she's going to come out and still Put other people down and say things Like well show some respect For me and stuff like, like that's that's heel stuff. It's I'm, I'm very confused with what with what they're doing with her.
2: I, it's just been very odd. The first couple of ones who were like, okay, uh, then you and I have been saying it for the past month now. Hey, we need to run, not walk, to get her back. Uh, this is not a someone new. we that's up from NXT. Um, we, and they just kept kind of. Okay, why shouldn't she be in the ring or at least in the arena while doing some of these promos to make it a little more personal? And then she starts turning heel, and then all of a sudden we get a replay of one on Monday from Friday, which I thought was a little odd too, because they usually do new ones. Um, I, I just think it's odd. I think it's I think it's uh, bizarre. Um, if if she's gonna be a heel. Fine, so be it why are why are we now five weeks into this now we're we're not feeling sorry for her as we were three weeks ago as we were like, man her she's supposed to have her debut this Friday, her dad overdosed, her cousin overdosed her you know I've, look, no problem. I've lost track of everything bad that's happened to her. I know
0: because I know
2: it's and I shouldn't be doing it. It's very, very bizarre,
0: and now I guess she's on raw. I guess. I mean are they just showing the yes. promo on Raw To show us to get her prepped for her? I, I, I don't know I, I will see This was very weird uh, with the way it was done But let's get that. that was just the thing that's been, been on my mind the most I, I wanted to talk about it <laughs> right right away Because it's been just It's been simmering Like we've been seeing it the last few weeks Like this is not well, oh, This is weird Whatever's happening here And um, we, uh, we can talk a, a little bit about WrestleMania Backlash These shows where they sort of under like promise the We don't expect a whole lot right They're not promising like this To be like the greatest thing in the world They always end up being really good This wasn't yeah. a show that was Five hours it wasn't going to take you all night There were six matches on the show And even the matches That were bad I, I wouldn't Even say they were bad I would say They were just sort of the weaker matches on the show And Almost all of the matches that were rematches might have even been better than the matches we saw at WrestleMania or right in that ballpark just as good. Overall, I thought this was a pretty good show, Coop.
2: Yeah, and I mentioned this. Usually these pay-per-views like this will surprise you. Now, it was lacking title star power. Uh There wasn't uh, – I think we had one title match, and it was a change. But it was lacking a lot of the uh, title holders Mm -hmm. But usually these in-between pay-per-views are sneaky good And you talk about matches that were probably better than previous matches I thought this Cody Seth Rollins was pretty salty It was pretty good And what's
0: cool, it was way different That's what you want Yes. Because the Mania match was so much about We know Cody showing up It was just about him Sure, and and then it and the match was very good after that. Like that was one of the things that impressed me because it, it not only was the surprise; it wasn't going to be a squash. So Cody's got to deal with all this emotion. Comes in, he gets the big pop, and then he's got to go out and wrestle like this banger with Seth Rollins, which he did. Right. And now they were sort of telling the like Seth is prepared for Cody; he knows it's Cody, and so there was a different story they told in this match.
2: Yeah, and and I, and I thought that, and it helps by them becoming more comfortable with each other and uh man we've, it, we you and I both have talked about this uh Roman Reigns is is the unified Raw and SmackDown champion but since Cody Rhodes has returned Cody is Raw and Raw is Cody and it and it's very very obvious uh what they've done and they've done a very good job of it because We could very easily right now be on Cody burnout mode because we've seen a lot of Cody Rhodes, but this delivered. And, you know, I thought, you know, last last week on on this week in wrestling, I thought the payoff was Cody winning, but the payoff is going to be hell in a cell. And I know on Monday or or, or after WWE WrestleMania backlash pay-per-view, they said, well, this is the end. You know, this is the final story between Seth and Cody. You, you knew then it wasn't going to be. And then, of yep. course, Seth comes out. So we're probably going to get that payoff. Um, I hate to see Rollins lose every one of them, uh, but Cody has been outstanding. And Cody and Seth Rollins was, was, to use Seth's nickname, it, it was freaking good. It was a really yep. good match.
0: Yep, And you started to hint at We can, I guess, hit hit on it right now While we're talking about this match um, On Monday, they had asked Cody or what What's next with you and Seth And he said nothing And Cody had a match for the U.S. Championship Against Theory and So good so It was, it good was really good These guys were going back and forth It was a lot of fun But you knew that there was going to be some schmoz Some sort of weird ending And of course, Seth Rollins was there And what we get now is likely a third Rollins and Cody match heading to Hell in a Cell which is coming up next. So that's probably uh, the main event or one of the major matches that they'll uh, they'll point to at that show and we'll probably get one or two other uh, Hell in a Cell matches I'd imagine on that uh, on that pay-per-view just looking at some of the feuds and the way that they're they've been setting them up.
2: Yeah, it, it, I, maybe Bianca uh, or excuse me, maybe Becky and Oscar. I, I, again, we'll get into Raw. Um, just looking at the backlash matches, I, I, maybe we get Drew, Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. or maybe cell. the tags. The tag team match is, is an obvious one too. If you're going to unify, the tag team match
0: would be obvious.
2: That would be cool
0: in a Hell in a Cell with those guys with RK Bro versus because that the Muses. That was a great six man tag. Oh, team that and that—that's the main event. Let's talk about that for a minute. Really that, fun. Twenty. That was minutes, awesome. Just solid it, work. We were a little like. We didn't like the fact that they maybe changed this around And we didn't get the title match that they had been promoting But it looks like we're still going to get that At some point point. And the match was very good right? It, once once we get past the fact that Maybe it was a little bit weird and, and what's going on with Roman With the two belts right now Because why don't they mention it more That he's yeah. got belts or talk about it on Raw Or he should at least be showing up Even if he doesn't have to show up on on Raw Sometimes he can cut a promo There you know and just talk about the title And how no one's coming after him or it Or something I just keep Remind us that there's the belt over there They they just like they want you to forget And they've been very lucky that Cody's come in And sort of been in the top tier Like a champion you know in stuff With Seth and in his feuds It sort of feels like he's in the top tier feuds On Raw but they gotta make a little bit More mention of that I agree Um, I thought it was fun man I thought that match was very very good that six man we were talking About the bloodline Versus Drew and RK Bro Now with what's On the horizon Do you think Drew Is a guy they would have beat Roman And win one of those Titles at that big Pay-per-view that they're going to have in the UK Coming up in a few months
2: Uh, You bring up a valid Very valid point because we're going to have to – if if we go with Roman Reigns, we're going to have to address this very, very soon. And I guess we're we're going to have to address it probably beginning on Monday. I don't know how I feel about that with Drew with the title again because it feels like uh, we're just going back to do, – does Drew feel like a, a world champion to not, you again?
0: Not right now. No. He does. And When you look around – the way that everybody's sort of been treated, he feels like he's a lot more important than most. But the problem, and, and I could understand why they would want to do that being in like a British Bulldog beats Bret Hart in, you know, when they have the pay per view over there, right? They, a lot of times that would make sense to put someone from the area in a major match that they'd get a, a big groundswell of support. So the, uh, um you know, I, I would not be shocked to see Drew be in a big match in a big moment, but. I think when Roman loses, or when you have guys beat Roman, it should be someone that could get a lot out of it, and maybe that's Cody right now if he does it at some point, or someone younger. If it was who who knows, you know, like just someone that comes up and is hot. It just doesn't feel like Drew would be the right guy, and maybe they maybe they would do it. Maybe they'd give him one of the belts and have Roman keep the other one or something. But with that, yeah, and how long would
2: how long is he gonna keep it? Do you see Drew headlining or co-headlining SummerSlam? Yeah, you know. No, I, yeah. I, no, I, I just don't. I just I feel like we've been there, done that, and I'm not taking anything away from Drew McIntyre. No, I I really like the guy. It just doesn't feel right. The problem is though, we go back to the beginning. Why unify the damn title when we're going to have this problem now?
0: I know. I right? don't. I just it it seems like they wanted to do it because they feel like oh, title versus title, champ versus champ, Roman Brock, the biggest match they can put on, and then you don't really think about what happens afterwards and it is you know you it shows where people don't have titles to go for feel a little bit uh, different uh, you know and does. you you need to have that at least be a conversation uh let's talk Omos Bobby Lashley Omos gets the win over Bobby Lashley by pinfall now this was better than their match i think the use of mvp helps it but it's just Omos i'm still just not all that interested in i think you can he he's a big imposing looking guy and if you have a mouthpiece with him there's a place for a guy like Omos on the card. I just maybe he's just like a mid card big giant guy who could squash some, you know, be like a muscle type that other heels use and employ. You know, he would he would be a good um uh next next guy for MJF. You know, Omos, this is the guy oh, yeah, that yeah. goes around and like helps MJF beat beat people up And like just weasel, you know, himself out of situations But I don't, I, I want to see Lashley in a different spot Because Lashley is one of those few guys right now that actually feels like you could still There's still like a top tier guy
2: Yeah, and it looks like we're getting a cage match next Monday, right? Yep. With, with, and I, I just, this is, this is drug on Uh the match was better, but poor Lashley having a job for this guy. It just, this has to be the send off the write off for Lashley and, and, and Omos next Monday night, uh, in a still cage because Lashley is a top tier guy. I mean, he was your world champion for, for a while and he had a bizarre ending to, to his title run. Uh, was he injured? Uh, you know, did he have COVID-19? There there was a lot of issues with Lashley there at the end. I would rather see him in the title picture against Roman Reigns that, than Drew McIntyre because I think that feels more fresher. Completely but I, I just agree. I, yeah, I, I just I, I haven't bought into Omos. I didn't when he was with AJ Styles again. You know, I sound like a broken record. I like giants and wrestling, but just I—I I have not connected with Omos at all.
0: And at it's all. weird because Omos, apparently, if you hear him talk and interviewed and stuff, he's funny. He's got a really yeah. good personality. Good they good just personality. can't find a way to get it out of him. And with some of these bigger guys. They just want them to be big evil heel And they don't want them to have any personality
2: like, let, No and I let, think it's hurt I think, and, and as much as a fan as I was Of MVP throughout his career That's old hat to me too I'm mm-hmm. not liking this either
0: Couple more matches on uh, Wrestlemania Backlash To discuss um, Madcap Moss beat Corbin in a, a match like, These two guys work hard You know, They go at it, it's fine y- and It just feels like these two have been together for a while We knew this was going to happen I want a little bit more direction one of them they just sort of feel like they're Kind of off in their own world um, But I don't I didn't really have a Problem with the match the quality of the match was fine
2: Yeah uh, Who's Invested into this This th- I don't yeah. even know if yeah. this match should have been on the Pay-per-view I know um, I, I just The build has been odd it, it, Madcap and, and, and Corbin have been Doing uh, a Storyline either together uh, for so long now, and what we loved with the loser Corbin, we've hated with the happy Corbin, and Madcap has has definitely been very uh, a very good surprise in the ring, but there's really no payoff for him beating Baron Corbin. Uh, Corbin has just been. Baron Corbin again. The gimmick hasn't worked. There really hasn't been anything there for me no. during this. We'll see what see what see what's there for Madcap after this. I have a feeling WWE tends to do this. They'll tend to push Corbin now, and then Madcap will get lost. I know. Uh so I'd like to see Madcap you know move around and 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 get some more meaningful batches because it just seems, seems like we've been it's 2 years with Baron Corbin. As I know. much as a Corbin fan I like I just don't like it. It didn't no. do anything for me.
0: Me me too. Same thing. Uh, Rhonda Ronda Charlotte very good match. Very good match. Man, I comfortable at some points how hard hitting and when they're in the submissions and when they they did that fall over on the outside where yeah. She had the arm bar sort of like locked in And it was like oh my gosh And Charlotte's shoulder was just, oh, So Charlotte's probably going to be out I think For a little while and we'll see what they do Going forward on Smackdown because we haven't uh, we haven't Had Smackdown since this match but I thought this was way better Than their a match and I was a little nervous because Sometimes the I quit can be Bad but you know what Charlotte I don't think came off as bad as I thought she might have Because how brutal it looked And she was, it wasn't like she was a weaselly heel who just quit They were just beating the crap out of each other And it was like, oh my arm's broken, I'm gonna quit And now we'll probably see her out for a little while So I didn't think it came off that bad You know, I was worried about the quitting stuff before I thought this was a way better match, Coop
2: And it just felt bigger I I just, it felt bigger than the Mania match. Um, And look, kudos to Charlotte. This shows you how good Charlotte Flair really is. We know she's a flair. She has it. She can do it on the mic. She can do it in the ring. But when you take somebody like Ronda Rousey, who's a special personality, who is not very um, uh, polished around the edges in the squared circle, you gotta commend Charlotte Flair for being able to do what she does, because this is not easy. Number one, Ronda Rousey is not a look. There, there's a lot of pride that comes into to wrestling, and Flair being a Flair, uh, protecting the business. This is not a this is not an easy situation for her to be in to have to put Ronda Rousey over in this spot, regardless if if she's gonna take time out or not. So I've been a – I'm just not a big Charlotte – look, Ric Flair, all-time favorite. He's number one on my list. I haven't been the biggest Charlotte Flair fan, but I can tell you this. What she's been able to do specifically with Ronda Rousey, not making her a star because she is, but doing what she's done for her inside the ring in WWE – It is very, very special, so kudos to Charlotte for doing that It'll be interesting to see what we do now with Ronda leading up to SummerSlam But uh, you called it, Uh, this was a Ronda, uh, uh, a good spot for Ronda Uh, You called it, and she's the new uh, SmackDown Women's Champion
0: Final match on the pay-per-view was Edge, AJ, which was good It felt a little bit better Again, though, I think what people wanted from these two guys was just a, a classic where we would have a a clean finish. We didn't get the clean finish, but coming out of it, we did get something that did perk my interest a little bit more in the Edge Damian Priest group. I think the, what are they calling them themselves? Judgment Day.
2: Yeah, Judgment Day. Yeah, the
0: name's a little wonky, but it is. I, I like I I like this for Rhea. I think this is good for Rhea because I think it's going to put a little bit of a shine on her, and I think it'll give her an opportunity to maybe go win. Um. The Women's championship you know or to to elevate Herself and even if she What I like is even if she Is for some reason Not in the the title Feud we're gonna see her On TV and involved with Edge and out there and one thing That you and I like a lot is when We get multiple Women's feuds tag team Feuds that are going on or there Are like tears for the women's Division it's not really cool when you Have the the women's division is deeper and talent more talented than the men's right now. It just is. <laughs> it is. Like there are and there are more stars, if you think about it. Like all of the four horse women, Asuka, Bianca, Rhonda, they're they're pretty massive stars for for women's wrestlers. You know, <laughs> throw someone like Rhea in there too, like Alexa, who, you know, was very, very popular and very mainstream. You know, those are like Pretty big stars and when you compare them to the Men's roster you've got you know Roman and Seth AJ Edge you know some Pretty decent names but there are a lot Of more unproven Guys than than on the women's side I like that we're going to get to see um, You know just a little bit more Rhea So what do you think of, uh, of the match And then as we moved on to Monday Night Raw What do you think about Rhea as we Saw her beat Liv and now she's Involved and she's in this faction with uh, With Edge and Priest
2: Okay, help me out here because I watched. I did not watch Backlash live. Uh, I, I I won the lottery uh, in the or music, uh, live music, photography world. I got to. I was one of four that got selected to photograph Coldplay on Sunday night. So I watched it late. Now the the was Edge's hair long Sunday night.
0: Yes, or- and then he cut it.
2: And then it was chopped off on Monday. And then he cut it
0: completely. And so So he looks way different, like way different. He
2: does. It's like, okay. Um, First to kudos. Uh, I I think we kind of knew this. Uh, I I think they kind of waited a little bit just to say, ha ha, she's not doing it. And then they did it. Uh, Completely love this because this is going to add. uh, Damian Priest really wasn't doing anything for me uh, with, with this edge group. I think this this really adds an interesting dynamic to this stable because now Rhea, like you said, can go after the title. Edge can go after a title now. I'm not so sure if Damien needs to. He can or Priest. He just needs to be like like the the assassin, the the big muscle guy. Um, I hate that she destroyed Liv again on television, uh, but I do think. Uh, Kudos to WWE for allowing Rhea to really dig deep. Uh, this is what we've been wanting for her. And as you said it, man, Monday Night Raw, you talk about women. There look, there there was a lot of women's matches and a lot of women's segments on Monday Night Raw, and they are proud of that roster. And kudos for them to go in with it.
0: Rhea, Liv, Alexa, Sonia. Sasha, Naomi, Drop, Nikki, A.S.H., Bianca, Asuka, and then Becky interrupting They're I all that was the main And that was, right? um, and that's not even counting, like, Lacey Evans with sure. her promo Um, and so, yeah, you said it I mean, there were a lot, and that's what I mean They're, and they're all, like, legitimate You think about yeah. them, you're like, wow, they all, that's like a g- really good group of women So as we continue along with Monday Night Raw, I, I before we move on though, I agree with you. The only thing that I I feel a little bit bothered by is Liv. I I hope Liv doesn't just get lost in the shuffle again now. And that because felt
2: that felt like a kill off to me I though. know. I, didn't like that. I
0: know. I didn't like because that. she's done some really good work over the last year. She's she's raised her game a lot in ring. She's a lot more comfortable on the mic. She gets a good crowd reaction. She's the, the crowd really likes her They're into her, she's fun on social media She's done a very good job And uh, I hope we can see more of Liv The Raw Tag Team Championship match We got RK Bro Versus the Street Profits I mean we know these combinations Are always just going to be fantastic
2: And look man uh, I, I kind of like uh, Again it's going to be a good match I was really surprised at the finish uh, you, you have uh, Ford going for the splash right uh, and then boom, big RKO, uh, because it's usually Riddle. I, I think in my notes and going back and looking at some previous Riddle's been the one doing a lot of this, that RKO to end it, Um, I, I tell you what, man, the crowd was hot. It was a mm-hmm. hot weight to start raw. Orton and Riddle have just been, RK bro has just been, look, for you and I have been pushing for them to break up and feud with each other. And every week they – they prove us wrong right? I know. We, they, we and ra- know.
0: honestly Randy must have been telling them Cause he I've never been Like Randy Orton I was not a Randy Orton mark I never had a problem with Randy Orton I always respected him But I wasn't someone that loved Randy Orton When he was doing his heel work And you know Orton and Cena and Batista A lot during that range And Orton and the Triple H stuff He was fine I have loved Orton the last couple of years This older version of Orton Who really yeah. seems like he's having a good time I like the stuff he did with Daniel Bryan too I thought that was really good When he was like babyface And then they flipped on him And then this this with Riddle It's like, it reminds me And I relate a lot of these things to it It reminds me with Nance and Romo We know they call the games together for football And I, I love Romo on the calls You know, he's uh, he's so excited You know, You know Jim, you know, and he's going crazy <laughs> And you know, and he's trying to predict everything that's going on And you can tell that it's like It's perked up Nance Nance gets excited because Romo is so excited and it it like Brings a different level of excitement out And these two they have this like fun Back and forth it kind of reminds me of of What's happening here in a different way like Riddle is such a goofball But but he's a Badass in the ring so I think Randy respects it because he's not like Just a corny guy who's only comedy You know they can go in the ring And and Go at it and have a a really banger match Like they always have one of the better matches On the show and Randy's A little bit older so he doesn't have to Carry all of the load But he still gets to be like The front guy in this Situation and right Now he kind of naturally feels like He feels like he would be a Really good opponent for Roman Reigns right now
2: Yeah, and, and man, we've complained a lot over the past several years about how the WWE Tag Team Champions, both on Raw and SmackDown, just haven't been all that much until you get the likes of the Usos and RK-Bro, even Alpha Academy, uh, you know.
0: And they're still involved. A little bit, even though they they're are. not the tag champs, which I like. They're they're using the charisma yeah. of Gable and having him at least involved in the stuff with Owens. So they're they're having again like a bunch of tag teams right now. We've been seeing the Street Profits on TV a lot. We've been seeing yep. RK Bro a lot. They're treated important. Alpha Academy they've been treated pretty important. So right there, you at least have three teams in. You know the what's the start of a Division on Raw on the other side It's pretty much the Usos and, and whoever Else but those four tag Teams are actually pretty Heavily in like they're invested In them
2: yeah and, and Like I said um you Usually see our uh, Orton uh With the RK bro or With the RKO Riddle doing it Spectacular finish a lot Of shine here on the tag teams and it could Have been just another one of oh we're seeing This again I just Sort of, the, the reason why I kind of didn't roll my eyes is just one week. Are the Street Profits good? Are they going to turn heel? And then they have to turn heel for one week because they're working, RK bro. That that That's just a little wonky for me. It's hard for yeah because I'm still an old school. I, I like good versus bad, but what a hot start to Raw. Fantastic. Fantastic match and a very surprising finish to the match too.
0: So we got these back-to-back. Segments first the uh, the judgment day came out with Edge uh Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest they Uh Edge cut a promo talked about what happened um and how everyone's sheep and you know they Formed the judgment day because they were tired of being sheep he's a bigger deal than the hall of Fame and he you know said that he he got his body beat up because of you he was blaming the fans Real heel stuff here then he talks about Rhea and said that she's done being used, and now she's joining the Judgment Day. And she talks about how she signed autographs at the airport for little kids, and now those autographs are being sold on eBay. Then she goes after Liv Morgan. So I like that they came out; they cut the promo, and I actually liked sort of the way that they had it slotted, where they had the Leah, the Leah, the Liv versus Rhea match right here after this, and it was. I would have liked to see a little bit more out of this Like we said Maybe this would have been um, I would have been okay with this If they would have had a a match before this Maybe at the pay-per-view That was like a back and forth Back and forth a little bit more I would have liked to see them give Liv a little more But they're trying to to get Rhea over And then right afterwards They've got uh, AJ Styles Comes out and Finn Balor comes out Because it looks like uh, They're going to attack Liv post-match and Rhea starts to go after Liv, so Finn and AJ come out. We get Finn versus Priest, and it ends in a, a DQ, which Finn ends up winning the match by DQ. So I I will say I don't. The only thing about this what I don't like is what what they've what I I hope doesn't happen to Liv. But if we get a really fun six person tag out of this, and it and we're getting Finn in. A better spot than we were getting Finn when he was the oh, U.S. title champion, champion. <laughs> a, a few weeks ago. So, right. I, I, like, I don't like, I don't mind this at all. Actually, um, the the Edge spooky stuff can still be a little wonky, but I like the pairing now with Rhea. I think it's going to do good for Rhea. This is good for Finn, and it's kind of cool. All of these guys are really and gals are very good in the ring. They can have a very fun match. I don't know if this is something they would do. But that could be a really fun, like six person in the hell in a cell. If they were to do something <laughs> like that, I don't think they would. But that be that could be pretty cool.
2: Yeah, because your first question you ask is okay. Now that Rhea's in Judgment Day, and you have Finn and AJ who came out to make a save because I think Rhea applied whatever. I don't know what she's if she's calling it the clover leaf. But that's basically what it was. You know, Edge kind of nodded. I did like that. Like to Rhea, like okay. Finisher off. Uh, we could be getting that. It's a little odd. We've seen mixed tag. That's my uh,
0: that's my fantasy booking. I don't think we will. I don't.
2: Well, look, and I'm not against it because that that was my next question. If they kill Liv off for a while, I mean, who's the next woman? Here's my
0: here's my actual my actual thinking is that we get in the next week or so we get um, a number one contenders match for the women's title. And it's either a triple threat or a one-on-one. It's either Oscar versus Becky versus Rhea, or it's Oscar versus Rhea, one uh, number one contenders match. And Rhea wins that match because because of Becky interfering in the match. Or okay. if it's a triple threat, if it's a triple threat, then you know you know Rhea could just win, and it could be you know obviously the other the other two. But I think that's what we'll get. And I think Rhea goes after Bianca. I think. We keep going with Becky and Asuka And then I think you can have Rhea and Bianca be a couple Months thing you can have the first time They wrestle it ended a DQ Rhea looks good still Does something cheap at the end You know and then that leads to another Match afterwards so I think I think that's where they go Um, Would make the most sense to me you keep Becky and Asuka in something You go Rhea and Bianca and You have that be your feud as you head towards SummerSlam
2: the main event was a little – I had no problems with it. Um, I, I thought Asuka and Bianca immediately having a match was – not that Asuka doesn't deserve it. I, and she doesn't need
0: to prove herself.
2: I just thought it was odd.
0: I don't like it. I hate the and contender think,
2: thing. No, and I think it made – it puts Bianca in a bad spot where – she doesn't feel as important because you just brought Asuka back from the first time in nearly two years. Right. Then there's Becky at, at ringside. So Becky causes the DQ to get to Asuka. You know, if they do Asuka and Rhea for, I, I have no problem with it with Becky getting involved. Um, how long do you see Beck Bianca keeping this title? Is it through SummerSlam? Do you see her losing it before then? Does she lose it at SummerSlam? And so does she lose it to? Does she lose it to Rhea? Does she lose it to Becky? I, I don't know, but there I are. A, 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 I just don't want it to get watered down with these
0: three. Yeah, I think it would be Ria. And remember, we got the money in the bank coming up soon, so that could throw yeah, a wrench. Sure. That could that could throw a little bit of a wrench into some things too. But Ria maybe is someone that would win the money in the bank and could cash it in also if that's the direction they go. So um, yeah, we'll see. There was a, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff for the women though on this show following. This uh, we uh, we didn't get. We'll get to Alexa and Sonya in a second. First, it was a uh, Alpha Academy backstage. Chad <laughs> Gable has sent one of Ezekiel's cups of DNA to the lab, and they're going to have uh, evidence next week that he's been lying about not being Elias. So they're uh, they're working on that. Then they go to the VIP lounge, and MVP talks a little bit about Omos and dominating him, and then uh, Cedric. Cedric comes out and you know we did it We did it and uh, Cedric um, uh, Cedric is trying to insert Himself back in this he wants to be a, a part Of all of this so as you mentioned We're going to get a, a cage match I think coming up with these guys next week right. With Lashley yeah. and Omos so um, You know I it, MVP is like it, we, I agree with what you said though MVP has helped this a little bit but I just don't love it I'm not going to like it and it's not it still feels like a little old MVP with Lashley was a fine fit But it seemed like Lashley was getting ready to break away from him and, and do the baby base thing on his own I don't I just don't like it for Lashley quite as much
2: Yeah again just he feels too top tier uh, th- to be losing to Omos I-, I don't know how much this is going to hurt him but he needs to win. Omos does not need to go over Lashley inside of a steel cage because if you have any, I I, I don't know what you do with Omos. He's not a very good wrestler. He's not going to be your world champion. You don't think, you you know, uh, he's not a big show type who could at least, you know, do some things. I don't see them putting a belt on him, not the world title. Um, So I, I would think Lashley, would go over here if they're going to do a steel cage Now they're definitely not going to put these two In a hell in a cell so hopefully This ends this because it's It's been a little I was excited to see Lashley come back from at mania But I've not been that excited after Mania for Lashley
0: Alexa bliss is back and Sonya yes, Deville is. is no longer Management and Here's what I like about Alexa bliss She's okay. back She's got the doll Lily which is eh, But there wasn't any spooky magic if she's just walking around with a doll I'm, I'm fine with it I don't care Even if she's talking to the doll It's when it gets the magic and the spooky stuff And it was like we're, th- this is the fiend thing Transferred over here As long as she just is out there And she can sort of play I think for a while like a baby face The crowd seems like they're very happy to, to have her back So Alexa another nice add To the, the women's division It was good to see her back Coop
2: yeah, and I was a little concerned here when she came out. Uh, there she was with the doll, but she was definitely acting like her old self. And man, the crowd was hot. Uh, they you know, she's been begging to come back, they've been uh, the, the WWE Universe has wanted her back. This does not help Sonya, this turns her now into a mad woman. Um, yeah, again, um, th- this female roster uh, <laughs> on Raw is just so damn stacked, it's just like. What do you what do you do with all these spots? I mean, there there's raw stack from head to toe. And yep. I, I just I just hope I just hope we can see some movement for Alexa Bliss now. Uh, and it's def- definitely an interesting dynamic now that Sonya Deville has been fired. Now she's going to turn into a mad woman. So let's see what she does uh, beginning on uh, next Monday night. I, I, I like it. I like it. I, I, I think she kind of wore, wore out her welcome. Uh, in the executive role or WWE official role. Uh, and I don't mi- mind her losing it in 30 or 40 seconds, whatever it was, uh, to Alexa Bliss.
0: So uh, we were introduced to Ken Owens.
2: <laughs> I like Ken Owens.
0: Dude, this made me pop so much. <laughs> so Ke- Ezekiel is standing in the ring, and Kevin Owens' music hits, and it's supposed to be the younger brother of, uh, or the older brother of Kevin Owens, <sighs> Ken Owens. And he comes out. And he's just got this goofy looking wig on. And and the best was how, you know, Ezekiel is playing it. He says, Hello, Ken. You know, he's <laughs> acting like he's really Ken, you know. And then Kevin is going, Stop it. Stop doing this. You know what I'm doing. I'm trying to prove a point here. Blah blah blah. And he's like, dude, calm down a little bit. I don't think your brother Kevin would would like it. <laughs> you're you're getting so upset. And I just thought it was. This made me laugh, man, so much. Ooh, and, and they're getting the a, wig
2: off, and, and uh, Ezekiel like, whoa, open like, wait a minute, what's? all oh,
0: He was. He's playing it great. They're they're getting That's mileage fine. out of this thing. It's funny. It's good. You know, these guys are having fun with it, and I can't wait for the DNA sample next week. <laughs> I want to find out if there are other siblings now. Yes. Is there like a uh, you know? A Kyle Owens you know And do we <laughs> do we have Like uh uh An Esteban you know That's like <laughs> the, third, the third brother of Elias Ezekiel yeah. I just I want To see more from this I, I enjoy it and Uh we'll see where they keep going with This one and then backstage before Um we talked about the women's Main event match but Oscar's back There and and Becky and Pierce talks about how they're gonna give Oscar uh, Asuka A shot and if she wins she's gonna be She'll get a title chance and Becky starts whining, you know, and complaining. <laughs> and Asuka starts just screaming at her. And she says, You're not acting like a mommy. You're acting like a baby. Baby, wha. Baby, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just funny. Like, she Did just. You remember,
2: you remember at the very beginning of the pandemic when WWE had to do Raw inside the Performance Center? Mm-hmm. And Asuka was just bizarre. And they put her on the announce team for. She would jump weeks. on the
0: table, and she would just and talk. It was
2: just phenomenal. We were like, "This is bizarre, Oscar, and we're here for it." I I popped for this. She goes, "You gave me your title, so you go, you could go be a mommy, and now you act like little baby." Wow, wow! This was just—it was fantastic. It was
0: really good. It was so it was good. Really good. <laughs> it was so good. She made me laugh so hard here. And uh, we got Veer Mahan against Frank Loman.
2: Oh, so, Frank Loman.
0: <laughs> the good old Frankie Loman here. Um, I, I, you know, like I said, you don't want to go too much. A few more of these are fine, but I actually get a kick out of the jobbers. I do, yeah. when, especially I when they, they get to cut their promos. They, they do, you know? And if you don't have a plan for this guy Yet that's fine have these guys Come out make it a little bit interesting letting these Jobbers come out and cut their promos and then he Squashes them I think it's it's funny This is just <laughs> old school wrestling 101 uh, we already Hit on uh, the uh, US title Match there and what happened on that one uh, A little later on we got The women's tag team champs Sasha and Naomi versus Dewdrop And Nikki A.S.H. And then after the match He um It was was one of those weird things where it was
2: weird. It was weird. No, the
0: timing was weird. You know, it looked like Nikki and it looked like Dewdrop was going to sort of go after Nikki. And then Miz's music came out. So it almost looked like Miz was going to do something with them, but it was just for the next segment. It was sort of off timing. But hey, at least we have the same women's tag champs for a little bit right here. Yeah, we do. Right.
2: And they're not losing all the time, either in contender matches or in singles. Um, They called Nikki something else at at, at her in her ring, either Byron Saxton or Corey Graves, who just he pushed me over the edge this week. He was just so, so much on this past Monday. I guess he was making up for lost time and being on his honeymoon with Carmela. Poor guy. Uh, They called her something. It was Nikki A.S.H. and they called her something. Anyway, it was just odd. It was yeah, good it was. to see them, everyone in a the ring. Then Miz interrupted. And what I didn't like is is Ali and Ciampa not getting entrances. Yeah, if that we was weird. Back from a commercial, they're all in the ring, right?
0: It, so I think it must have been a timing thing, right? It must have. It, it must because, have. yeah, the way that Miz came out real quick, they had a match Ali versus Ciampa, and Miz is the ref in this match. And, you know, so of course they're going to be heel shenanigans and, and Miz. Uh, Champa cover like with a quick uh, end up uh, you know slow counting when Ali's there and giving Champa the chance to kick out and I I will say I'm glad these two guys are on TV I'm and I didn't like the, exactly the point that you mentioned it, but I oh, I will give them a little bit of a pass because of what happened right before so maybe it did feel like this they just missed time the show and this was supposed to go a little bit because I think the main event started. With just like eight or ten minutes left, too. Yeah, right? that
2: was it. Was really weird timing, and I, I was reading something about that, and somebody said, "Man, this is not a lot of time for Austin mm-hmm. Bianca." Yeah, right. uh, so, so you
0: could really yeah. know. Yeah. And, so, and, and,
2: and I thought Miz did fantastic. He's great with the man. slow counts and with the fast counts. And also, I, I don't know if a lot of people watch these documentaries. A lot of them come on after Raw dude after NXT <sighs> but the the heel with with miz man uh, it just man it was really really good this guy i remember interviewing him in the early part of his career when he was a joke he came from was it road mtv road rules right and then he just the diva search we remember all that and man i tell you what he just whatever he does and he's been put in some bad situations in the WWE, from being world champion for one week uh, to, to working with, with Logan Paul, Bad Bunny, not everyone can do that, dude. He can. He, he. he this is just, a, this is another, this is a li- WWE lifer, um, phenomenal guy, whatever he does, and the fast count to Ali just, it just helps, it helps put Ali over. Even it though does.
0: Because you know we're gonna inevitably get like a Ollie putting Miz putting Ollie over again. You know we'll get a better match there, and this is this is good for Miz to help get these two guys over a little bit because they can get a little bit of a rub from just doing stuff with the Miz. I think both both and
2: it could be one of those like I don't know if you mentioned it uh, if you did, and I don't give you credit here. That's my bad. But it it, it could be where Miz puts him over in it.
0: For a slot for the money in the bank. Exactly. Uh, That's you know? that perfect. The, these so guys feel like stuff. they should be in that, right? Ali for sure. Ali and, sure. and Ciampa would be fun. Like those would be two yeah. guys that are like newer, that are fresher, that people would look at and go, Oh wow, if they are in it, even if they don't have a chance to win it, they'll look good, they'll do some cool stuff. And if for some reason they did want to get behind one of those guys and give then everything's fresh. That's so like you a, have six
2: or do you have eight I think you can
0: do either, them. we've seen them do both You know, combinations of six or between six or eight But yeah, those Man, two guys, I would
2: like to see Gable, Riddle, Champa, Ali Yeah,
0: because uh, uh, they remember outside. how they used to do it with the younger yeah. Sort of less proven people that hadn't been the champ before type guys That yeah. would be really cool with, with that group Cody, I'm sure it, oh, depending good, on good, another good point. on yeah. what oh you know, if they want to do that or not and then they can actually yes, have Cody probably. if they ever needed with the briefcase, they could they could t- turn him heel if they ever wanted to do that. Sure. You know. There's just a lot
2: that money in the bank pay per view is one of my favorites because of I, the match alone. But getting there is is pretty fun too. How about Montez? Be, be a lot of, oh, Montez would Ford, oh,
0: yeah in a qualifier if he like upset someone and then he's flying off the uh he would be cool in there because you know be. one of these years they're just gonna say okay it's time to give to give strap the rocket to him. So because yeah, these
2: qualifying matches for that money in the briefcase uh, briefcase match are pretty fun too. They're yeah, really and fun.
0: I love it. Anytime they can make matches have a little bit more importance and feel worth something, there is zero reason why every single week we ha- we can't have either a title defended or a number one contenders match. Multiple on each show every episode of Raw and Smackdown it should either be Setting up the next contenders or defending One of those titles the tag title could be Defended on one of those shows here and there the U.S. title the IC title And then you kind of rotate them around you find New contenders for them so you have You know then you have Money in the Bank qualifying Matches you've got Royal Rumble qualifying Matches Survivor Series qualifying Matches there's a lot of things that you Could do to just make Matches elimination chamber make them Mean a little bit more and people will get invested in them a bit Even if they're the rematches over and over That's fine, just give us a little spin to them And uh, we spin on over To NXT I liked this episode a lot I thought it was really good um, We got uh, Toxic Attraction beating Wendy Chu and Roxanne Perez to start For the Women's Tag Team Championship Again, let's l- listen to the list Of matches on the show So that was the opener Then we got the Women's Breakout Tournament Fallon Henry against Sloane Jacobs Um You got Fallon getting the win. You got Alba Fire. You know, I didn't love the change of everything. I didn't, I thought she kind of looked cool and the gimmick was not bad. I didn't she sort of was maybe wrestling a little different too. I I, that was that wasn't bad. Saray and Andre Chase beat Stratton and Grayson Waller, our friends from Chase U. Apparently (laughs) he speaks Japanese. Um Bodie, is that the guy? When he Uh, when, when he when he started saying Yeah, I'm in uh, Japanese 204 With, you know, Professor And he goes, we've got Japanese here? Of course we do It's just so, oh my gosh I was dying there And then Nikita Lyons beat Ariana Grace And Natty beats Cora Jade Think about how many women I just named Between Monday Night Raw and Tuesday
2: Man, yeah (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't it just It's a one Look We we give we give a lot of heck to WWE about and I and I have today in particular this episode but sending some of these superstars on both sides of the roster down to NXT on Tuesday night for however many long to work with younger stars to help get them over has just been a home run in each situation you know it, it just has and. For Natty and and, and Cora to be the main event on NXT 2.0, that's saying a lot because uh, it wasn't wasn't too long ago that we thought Cora was in trouble because we thought she was going to be the next champion on the women's side, and she's supposed to go one-on-one with Mandy, and lo and behold, there's three or four other people in the match. Cora doesn't win. Now she's main eventing NXT 2.0. This was her best showing by far.
0: By far. She looked great here, Cora Jade And we're talking about this, so we can just sort of skip She looked fantastic, I loved how they did it Natty gives her the rub after Because she loses the match But she doesn't tap out, she just passes out From the pain, a little wonky When you just pass out from a sharpshooter And there's not like blood or anything, you know It's just like, oh the sharpshooter, that's the uh, the sleeper You know, that's the one that just puts you out completely But, it was great This was her best, and maybe Just working a little bit with Natty, maybe they could tell she was missing a little something that they wanted more from her. And I think she's going to come out of this looking really, really good. And I think she got a little bit of a rub from Nikita, like we said last week. And it almost feels like they created this tournament for Nikita, right? Something for her to do right now.
2: Yeah. Because they
0: don't want her to lose. No. But you don't want her to not be on TV. And you don't want her to just She's been doing the stuff with Lash Legend for a while You don't want to put her with Mandy quite yet Until you're ready to have her win Because she should be a a star And she should be winning that thing in a few months So now you can kind of You can let her stack some wins along the way We get to see her each and every week And it it this is something That it felt like they kind of like created for her Almost
2: You know It's a travesty if not Because she's special Um, And you don't get a lot of these from, and she had a little uh, wrestling background, but she's not somebody that uh, had this long resume um, of coming in because she was a virtual unknown uh, signing with uh, the WWE. Yes, she's done some things before, but not on any other major uh, platform. Um, I could see her going heel. And, and just being a badass, um, but she definitely needs to win this tournament. 100 percent, she needs to roll through this tournament.
0: So after the uh, the women's tag to open things up, we we got Gacy, who I think we've both just kind of been tuning out now for a little while. You know, he he started talking a little bit about um, Braun again, and he says if Breaker doesn't have to do this alone, he can join them and be part of their movement. We can't be getting more with these two guys, right?
2: Ugh. We can't. I, I, man, let me tell you this. Uh, something is, uh, going awry here. Yeah, it, it, this is going to continue. And poor Braun Breaker is, uh, I, I, has he jumped the shark already? Um, I, they're just not feeling it, man. Yeah. No, he, I, he's I, in I, a bad, he,
0: you know, he feels a little bit like how Adam Hangman Page feels. Or it kind of felt up until recently I'll give Paige credit Like At least with the Punk match coming up There's a a little bit more intrigue But it's not really like Braun has done a whole lot wrong It's just sort of the places that they've put him in And even the losing the title And then winning it back was a little bit wonky You know uh, For him And then they had him right back with the rematch A few days later on TV They had him on Raw a few times It looked like they were going to maybe even bring him up And then You have him run through Gunther Right away and then you go to Gacy Someone else like Grayson Waller Would have been such a better choice You know for a feud for him I know like once Waller was done with LA Knight that would have been such a better Choice for because Waller's at least Interesting and people would have booed Him and nobody cared about Gacy That's the problem he doesn't have Any heat whatsoever so it's like It's kind of like go away heat, You know um or Carmelo against Braun would have at least been intriguing. If you threw if you threw Grimes in there, people would have at least cared about it, you know. And now people are kind of turning on Grimes a little bit, but at least at that point they they wouldn't have. And I, yeah, I feel I feel. Well, at least
2: I could see Grimes being a a, a snobby heel. Right. Braun has a, no one's cared about Gacy. No, Not even from the beginning, because it goes back to him getting that title shot with Chapa so early on for no reason. And then that character of his just didn't do very well. We thought it would. We thought, okay, this is this social media ass that's that's gonna do this. And oh man, just it 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 this this is not good for either one of them. Gacy's probably uh, I I I I just don't know what's going on. I, I don't know what's going on, but. I I I fear for Braun right now. He could be in trouble this early. He could be in real trouble.
0: We got a new member to the uh, the Diamond Mine at the Dojo. So Roderick Strong says he's bringing in the the Panamanican Games champ Damon Kemp, Bobby Steveson, the brother of Gable Stevenson. Right. And so the Creeds are a little bit upset because they. Didn't talk about this. It's supposed to be a group decision. So we're already teasing a little bit. You know, the Creeds are going to be a fun tag team. I we need to see a little personality from them. If they're able to get out of their shell and be able to cut some promos and show a little life, these two guys are badasses, man. They could do a lot with them in the coming years here and on the main roster. So I'm I'm curious. Like I like them a lot. I just hope that we can get a the right presentation for them because. The rumors were Roderick Strong doesn't want to be around. Now you put him here with this group. I don't I don't know what the future is here with this, but I do like the Creed brothers. So, I I'm continually happy to see them on the TV. I think sooner than later we got to get those guys winning the tag titles.
2: Yeah, this is this is interesting here the Diamond Mind. There's really uh it's kind of fallen apart before our very eyes with Malcolm gone. Um, you know, Ivy now Uh, Ivy Nile is now doing some challenges, I think. Uh, I think she did a couple of them throughout the show. Uh, Why she isn't in the breakout tournament on the women's side is beyond me. I thought she would be. Um, But if the Creed Brothers are going to be on TV every week, uh, yeah, I'd like to see some personality here. That's what we were lacking from uh, Brooks and Dunn. In the beginning, uh, we needed to see the opposite. We needed to see them in the ring. So, yeah, I'd like to see the Creed brothers uh, kind of expand a little bit and and kind of develop things outside the ring. Uh, Don't know if they're going to be a heel or don't know if they'll just be this badass. But we're definitely going to have the uh, implosion of Diamond mind here pretty soon. That's that faction is definitely going away here pretty soon
0: continue on with uh, NXT Tuesday, Fallon Henley beat Sloan Jacobs in this one and uh, no surprise there Fallon's one that we've seen on TV quite a bit. Then we got a little setup for Nikita Ariana mentioned that one, which we could imagine uh, Nikita gets the win there. I mean we had like a back to back to back women, you know, like segments, women's matches. the uh, Ariana Grace is the daughter of Santino Morella.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and she looks good. Mm -hmm. She looks, she looks really good. Um, I've heard good things about her. Um, you know, this, these tournaments can tend to go one way. Um, they could, they can tend to go one way. And then they, we get, we give them so much hype and then sometimes they, they don't deliver, but I'll say this about the NXT on the women's side of it. Um, A lot of these gals that come in used to be jobbers to Raquel Gonzalez, and Mm -hmm. they were just there to put people over. I really like what they're doing here. I like Fallon Henley. She's got personality. It's Tesha Price. Um, I I just think it's good. I I just hope once this tournament's over, we start seeing some of these ladies who were in the tournament deserve to start being in more matches here. It's going to be interesting what, you know, uh, some of these matchups here, Uh, Are really really interesting Um, Does Lash make it to the final I know they're real high On uh, Roxanne Perez AKA Roxy on the indie scene Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have a couple of ways to go In this but uh, I was impressed With both I I I like Fallon a lot Um, I I was impressed With both
0: these women Um, Amari Miller Alba Fire Alba Gets the win spoke about her a little bit That was uh, the former Kaylee Ray And Okay I gotta say (laughs) <laughs> the the family stuff is a little goofy, but I'm kinda of laughing. I'm kinda of laughing at it a little bit more. Like, you know, we're getting these kidnappings now. We're gonna have a trade. Mendoza gets kidnapped. It's like they're I like the way that they're putting a lot of time into it. They know it's goofy. Right. Yes. So they're like playing into how silly it is, but you know what? It's been making me chuckle. What have you been thinking about the stuff with the families? Santos says Tony D's crew is going to learn they can't get in the, the their business and walk away. So um, I mean, I, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty excited about this.
2: I mean, who? It I just what would we say it was? It was the Sopranos versus uh, Narcos. Is that That's, right? Is that, that, is that is that what? Is, I, look. I, I'm for it. I am. I, um, it, it's it's a little goofy. Um, but- so we got
0: Tony D, Troy, Two Dimes, Donovan, Channing. <laughs> Stacks Lorenzo, they end up beating Cruz del Toro, and they throw him in the. Uh, they beat up Cruz, they throw him in the trunk, and then they hop in the car and they <laughs> drive away. So we've got some kidnappings here again. Uh, <laughs> it's fun, dude. It's, it's fun. funny. It, I like it
2: it. Is, it. it really is funny, and that, that's look, um, and it's a way to slow some things down. Uh, With feuds uh, Instead of just having some sort of Variation of them in the ring Working up to a pay-per-view Style, you know, event And and seeing it for the fourth or fifth time So I don't mind these skits I don't mind them at all No,
0: I think they're fun We uh, continue on NXT We got, you know Solo Sokoa, man, he's over The dude is over right now And the crowd is not into Grimes as much Anymore which is no. fine, like you said, I think Grimes can do a good job Having to go back heel We've seen him heel He can do a fine job being like, what the hell Why did you turn on me, this or that And Grimes is, you know, I, he'll be good no matter what But this is a moment, it feels like For Solo Sokoa, right now This feels like, and I, I say it all the time You go go right now Put this belt on this guy In the coming weeks We need to do it right now Because this crowd wants it from him He was gr- solid on the mic and you know I don't see why they, they love the family Obviously with the bloodline and everything I think Solo's got to be the uh, the North American champ soon
2: Yeah um, You know somebody was saying Well he's not very good on the mic At this point it doesn't matter uh, it, 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 all, all I know is The bloodline uh, These dudes can wrestle They they all can um, They're all stars And this guy uh, needs to be a title holder very, very quick And I'd like to see Grimes go hill. It's like hey look you know you people y'all Were behind me until the next person comes Up and this is what y'all do to, i'd love to See him turn hill just do the Million dollar man ted to be i just turn Hill low blow somebody and that's All you need to do
0: we got Sarai and uh andre Chase picking up the win over Waller and stratton This was fun love me some Chase you so Hey i i have No problem with this i thought it was actually it made Pretty good use of sarai and i I yeah. think Waller. Like I said, I was a little. I'm a little worried about Waller. He seems like yeah. he slotted lower down the card than he was before. I like the chase stuff, but it does seem pretty noticeable that they, you know, Waller was a guy who was in matches with AJ. He was calling out Rollins even not long yeah, ago. He was all he, he yeah, on Raw a
2: couple of times.
0: So he's not quite as at the level that he was before. And then we finished up with uh with Nikita and uh, Natty. Cora Jade which we already spoke about Natty gets the win but post match She um Natty uh, offers her hand to Cora Jade And helps her up and they uh, they hug So as a sort of like a, a Respect and maybe a little passing of the torch From one uh, vet To uh, a, an up and comer there So that was NXT Coop We roll on over and talk a little bit About AEW Dynamite From Wednesday We kicked off the show with uh, Adam Cole versus Dax Harwood uh, a lot in the next few weeks heading into that Owen Hart Foundation Men's Tournament. So in these matches you get a lot of Owen stuff, you get a lot of Brett stuff. Lots of uh lots of tribute. What did uh Hangman Page say? Masturbatory Batory Brett Hart matches. <laughs> we're getting we're getting some of those with the uh the Brett and the uh, the Owen stuff, but hey, you know, uh the both of the guys from FTR, The Revival, you know, those those dudes, they're good. They can go there's a reason why they're a good Tag team and that this was a fun Match with uh, with Cole and him to Kick off the show Adam Cole ends up getting The win there in the sharpshooter So um, Cole Gets the win to kick off the card I'd imagine he's going to probably be uh, You know one one of the the main players In this uh, especially with his ties To Shawn Michaels they may be able to have some fun with that
2: Oh yeah because now you have Let's see in my notes You're going to have him versus jeff hardy right because hardy defeated mm-hmm. darby hardy
0: winning against darby yep
2: so uh and interesting you know you made it a point a couple of weeks ago that there were some rumors that jeff was already not happy then all of a sudden this guy is is got a solo career in aew and he's made a eventing and now he's gonna face adam cole here uh next wednesday Um, I thought it was a really good opener. I I, I was against FTR working each other in the the first round, but I get it. Um, Solid opener. But as far as match-wise goes, I thought it was probably the better match on the show and is it bad for me to say I thought the best part of the show Was not a match It was the Wardlow MJF yeah, segment No
0: not at all that, that was you the know? best part of the show For sure for sure it, We'll get there in a second um, Following this okay one thing I did like What they did um, now I didn't really like the way it all ended up playing out And we'll talk about it when we get there but Darby just said hey I asked For there to be no rules in this match because Me and you know me and Jeff are those kind of guys this Is our style we, that's the way we went to roll So that's just a little thing that As a fan I go oh okay that makes sense Yeah and then, no problems with that We just move on like it takes t- takes 20 seconds AEW sometimes gets too cute With that stuff like they used to do with the camera You know they haven't done that as much recently Have you noticed right. with guess. having that, that The people filming all over the place And like Good having weird, we- weird ways Why they would have cameras hidden in certain things They don't do that as much uh, As they used to but I, I, don't, I didn't mind that, I thought that was just a cool little tidbit We got Punk versus John Silver And Punk played it So if you're not a hockey fan Because I'm not a huge hockey fan But he was wearing an Islanders John Tavares jersey And Tavares was like the heart and soul Of the Islanders for a while And he left to go to Toronto And so he he's someone that 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 fan base doesn't like anymore So Punk <laughs> kind of came out wearing the jersey And then he turned around and you can see he had the Tavares jersey on And I do like how in Long Island Because of the stuff with MJF Punk is a heel here And he yeah. he lays into it He acts like a heel because We know that John Silver had some Ties with Adam Page They leaned into that a little bit And it's fine I just I still think that Punk feels like he should win. Absolutely, I think that for a um a title feud, it just doesn't feel still as big as maybe one or two other things on the show, it, it doesn't feel like it's your main main feud. And I mean that because more of Hangman than of Punk. It feels like it's at like a six or seven, and not like a ten. Where it uh, be.
2: dude, uh, one hundred percent agree here. Um, I, you know, I, I do. You know, Punk, are you a good guy? I like, I'll say this, they go off the cuff in some of these promos. At least Punk does.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, mm-hmm. And I really like that about AEW. Um, and, and Punk said, dude, what, are, are you a heel? Are you a good guy? Uh, and then Paige kind of flips him off. I, You know, we had this discussion last week. Where do we go with this? Um, does Punk, uh, do they put it on Punk and let him run with it? Do they think Adam Page is still the guy? I just don't know. Um, I, I'm okay with the match. It wasn't anything special. I, you know, the promo was good on Punk side of thing. I just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of down on Page still. I, I just, something I is there. It's, it's just not exciting me with this. It's a not little,
0: yeah, it's a little better than where it was before, but it just, it's not true, at the level of, of where it should be for a world title, you know, for a feud true. and for your world champ. <laughs> And you know the ratings this week Weren't that great again They were um, 840,000 840 yeah uh, .33 so they were up a little from last Week but the second lowest of the year and fourth lowest 1849 uh, of the Year so you know Their they're, they're, bas-
2: they're fri- they're Friday rampage last, what we- last week they they put it on at 5pm Central 3 mm-hmm. o'clock your time And this week it's starting at 430 central I mean we're getting Like 200,000 300,000 yeah. type numbers for Friday nights the taping stuff the tape matches it, it really doesn't help it, it no. just doesn't help I, I, it, it's uh look the NBA playoffs um we can talk about this until we're blue in the face it, it, and look it, it it gets a lot of eyes I just how will AEW come out of this after the playoffs is the biggest that's why I think CM Punk needs this title that, that, I, I, just think I agree. This title for it's me. just
0: more interesting with him moving yeah. forward and, and the, the types of matches and, uh, and feuds that are set up now. If if Punk wins this thing, we got a uh, Britt Baker. Just real quickly, talking about how she's going to be facing the Joker and she's going on with the conspiracy. So uh, just man, a little. She's a
2: good heel. I'll just she say is. It, man,
0: she just she's great. Us. She still feels like more important than a lot of uh, a lot well, of the other. also
2: wasn't even on the show again.
0: Right, but okay. she cut. They had a little, like a, a little, little yeah, segment, just,
2: just a little deal. But why we didn't see Britt live while she had the title and she had these little silly segments that were pre-taped and backstage during her title run is still beyond me. Because she may not be a five-star match person, but God, she's over and she's good on the mic and, and she's just intriguing, man. She's just intriguing. She just feels more important. Than Thunder Rosa, she just does.
0: The okay, so Danhausen <laughs> had his first match, and uh, he comes out, and he's gonna face Tony Niece. and so Tony Niece beats him in like five sec. I mean, yeah, n- nothing. It was a it was a yeah. squash. And then following this, they're they're beating down. Danhausen, and so Hook comes out to save him, and Hook and Danhausen shake hands, and now they're gonna be a tag team. They're gonna have a match at the buy in. Nah, I Actually I don't mind the Dan Housen stuff On a show right we talk I, I think that There's com- room for comedy stuff In wrestling I don't mind it as long As it's not like in the main event All over that's my only concern I, I think Dan Housen With someone like a Christian Like a veteran someone who's Proven and we and they've already Sort of done a lot of their stuff But with Hook Hook has been kind of treated like a badass like they've they've sort of acted like he's a guy that you should take seriously, and now I don't know if putting him in with Danhausen, if that's the message that you want to send. It it could be funny and silly, but I I think I would like to see Hook have a couple years where he's a badass, do some stuff in the ring, and then a few years later you can do the goofy stuff.
2: So I, hey, I, I you it's, know it's hard it's hard to get into. I, I mean I don't think this equates to Dan house and equates to any television ratings. That's why I don't think you've seen him a lot on Wednesday night uh, on the dynamite live show. I, you know, it, it's, I think the live audience and the AEW faithful get more out of it. Uh, I, I'm with you. If, you know, hook was, I thought was going to be pushed a while back. He wasn't, we talked about that. He had the number one t-shirt for a while. On AEW merchandise um, I, I I don't know It just feels like filler stuff It's like, uh, well, let's send him out And you help him and y'all get together it's, it's an odd pairing, I don't know We'll just see, it just feels like filler stuff to me
0: Yeah, the MJF Wardlow oh, contract man. signing So we Dude. know now, whenever they go back to Long Island They're gonna do some cool stuff for MJF Because that's where he's from And wow, this is like, MJF's a babyface there And the crowd just loves him They do whatever he asks they had A video that was done Like a mock dark side of the ring Episode where Jericho Wait says like I don't like this guy wait how much am I getting paid To do this it was really it was And then (laughs) you hear Jericho like You know um, Narrating this video that tells The story of Um you know everything that MJF has done. He talks about what Wardlow did to his best friend Cody Rhodes, and then yeah, and <laughs> I mean the way they spin this video, it was just hilarious. Oh my god! Yeah,
1: Barry Horowitz
0: was on Barry there. Horowitz and Taz were in there, yeah, and he, what did they say? What did he say about Horowitz? It said famous Jewish wrestler. Something, <laughs> something like that. That I thought was oh my gosh, this was this was really well done. We'll give AEW lots of crap for things That we don't think are well done Or maybe they could have done differently I thought overall this was a pretty good episode to be honest And that's why it's funny when some of them get low ratings That are actually not bad episodes And I think that's what That in a weird way It's what bothers me because I think Tony will see The ratings sometimes and look and go Uh oh we gotta do more Or we weren't doing enough because we got 840 instead of 950 You know and Sometimes you're gonna have a little bit of a lull, and maybe it's better because a lot of these segments I thought were pretty interesting tonight. We don't, we didn't have a whole lot of criticism for most of the stuff that we've been talking about so far, and, and i I really like this, Coop. This was really fun, man. This was him great. Tra-
2: him trying to sign the contract with the handcuffs on, <laughs> and he, uh, he, looks,
0: he does the shoulder shrug. He's like, I can't, yeah. I can't do it, can't I, do I it. Just,
2: I, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, the, the crowd even booed Wardlow some. He, he got a little hometown. Our MJF got some hometown pop there. I, I thought it was the best segment on the show. It, this has been more intriguing, the MJF-Wardlow stuff. Now, next week, what do we get? The the 20 lashes or 10 lashes of uh, Wardlow's 10 lashes from MJF. These are kind of the things I'm like, eh, okay. You know, it seems like we we crawl to this match, but I the end payoff will be so good. When Wardlow just beats him down, it'll be worth it.
0: The Ricky Starks Jungle Boy match For the FTW Championship Goes to Ricky Starks After a, a roll up And uh, First actually Jungle Boy looks like He's going to win and nobody's there to count And then Starks hits the Rochambeau to win So he ends up getting the win um, There was a, a weird moment where we had Swerve sort of yeah. out there Swerve Strickland And so it looks like then christian and luchasaurus came out We keep waiting on the turn because we're all expecting christian to turn on jungle boy or something to happen there It looks like we're going to get a maybe a a triple threat with these tag teams Maybe keith lee and uh swerve and then with luchasaurus And and, uh you know lucha and, and jungle boy and then uh with Ricky Starks maybe and Powerhouse Hobbs, I think we I could see something with those three teams moving forward. And Jr. definitely made a point to say that Keith Lee looks like he's losing some weight. Yeah, and that he looks he <laughs> looks good out there. So that's something to keep an eye on in the future, in the coming weeks. If that's if that's something they want pushed, and if that's a narrative moving forward.
2: Poor Jungle Boy. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I don't know what interest is here. I if from one to ten, I don't know. Uh, do we even know what's going on with the AEW tag team title scene? The picture? I don't know. Um, yeah, the turn's coming. It just seems like everybody always has somebody. There's multiple people involved and in multiple things. That's what frustrates me probably the most. There's really not a whole lot of standalones here other than like Punk. Um, I, yeah, it was. it was, it was very... It was peculiar that Jr. mentioned that. And again, kudos to AEW. They're not shy about, hey, uh, 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 you know, facing the white elephant in the room. Right, the big elephant in the room. We know there's an issue, so we're 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 going to take care of it. And again, kudos to AEW for addressing some of those things. And and that's something they do well while WWE, on the other side of it, they drop things, you don't hear it. But uh, it, it's obviously obviously an issue with Keith Lee, so hopefully he can get things worked out.
0: The Jericho Appreciation Society, <laughs> the worldwide leader in sports entertainers for over nine weeks and yeah. running right now. Danny Magic's nipples are hard Chad Cooper, <laughs> And uh So they, uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society Came out to give a victory speech But they then got interrupted By Moxley We forget that Moxley has a tie To Eddie Kingston And he was followed by Brian Danielson Wheeler Yuta, and William Regal But Jericho said Haha, We still outnumber you all of a sudden here comes Kingston Santana and Ortiz. I thought this was a pretty fun little brawl segment. Things this can these things like this can get too wonky and but I didn't like I didn't mind the way this was done. I thought it was done pretty well kind of creatively with Moxley coming out and then all of them around and um we did say we would like to see the the Combat Club have a little bit more of a purpose. So at least it seems like they know that okay. We just don't want to have these guys out here in squash matches anymore. Let's let's put them in, in feuds and have them at least have something to do. I agree.
2: I, I had no problems with this segment. Uh, I did think speaking of wonky, um, I you've you've made me start saying that word now. That that is wonky is <laughs> schmaz yep. from the Geno vocabulary now. <laughs> I, I have I have ripped it off. Um I thought Eddie Kingston's eye makeup from the fire was. Oh blind. my I th- gosh! I thought it was just it was, silly. It's it something
0: that bad. Bad. I I, mean, I did this. I, I I appreciate the attempt, but wow, it was just so. <laughs> it was so <laughs> I mean, bad. It I was just so, wanted to
2: bring that up. I have oh, no please. problem. It was just like, it, it, it's just like it's just like the '80s, the old mid south when. It, when when Skandar Agbar through the fireball in Oklahoma City at Jim Duggan's head it's and silly you, putty
0: with yeah, ketchup in it or whatever
2: it's just like it's not even marker but uh, yeah look we got a purpose now we've been saying it you know Daniel Bryan Moxley Regal Utah um stop beating jobbers uh, at least it'll be this this is up the ladder so to speak for for these guys so i'm interested to see where it goes from there
0: we went to uh tony storm versus jamie hater and um you know what we got a women's match here and tony's getting a win I thought she looked pretty good the match was okay I think for both of them like they their hater can sort of be hit or miss when you catch her yeah. so, You know she can be really good sometimes or she can still look a little bit green but This match didn't offend me or anything and at least at least tony storm has been getting some tv time And they've been most important. They've been giving her she's been looking fine in the ring, and it's not like they had her come in right away, put her in a match that she was gonna lose. She's heck, she actually feels more like of a big deal right now than Thunder Rosa.
2: Yeah. And you know the hater deal, I thought she was brought in to to maybe try to be AEW's version of Tony Storm. That Mm -hmm. that was some of the rumors. So I thought it was interesting that these two ladies uh went one-on-one with each other and then you have some injuries uh it's curious to see who Britt's gonna you know there's a joker card we're having some injuries now uh starting to pile up a little bit on aew but yeah i, I mean does tony need to win this tournament is, is this something she needs to win
0: i would say so i think okay. so because we saw i, it with I Ru- think so too we you we saw this with Ruby before, you know, and she doesn't feel like if she as important as she was. You gotta, you gotta strike with the iron hot while the iron's hot. It can't just be debut and then flounder in the middle. You gotta give someone a, a rock. You gotta put the strap on. On, uh, I don't know if that sounded that great. We gotta put the strap on, but we're talking about <laughs> that. So. But, but, like but you know, her, you know <laughs> I was gonna say that was definitely one of those where Michael Cole just laughs and you and you yes. can hear him, catches him, and we uh we had Sammy Guevara just kind of walk in on Frankie Kazarian's promo and, and say you can't trust Scorpio. And it just made me laugh because he says, go be unlikable somewhere else and your vlogs. <laughs> it just it just made me chuckle there. So uh that was before the main event Darby versus Jeff Hardy in the Owen Hart men's tournament. Anything goes match. Man, I will say, why the hell do they need to do this on a on a TV show? Like they I don't didn't know. do it too much. And it makes me really concerned because as a fan, I don't need them to do that I understand they want to do it to get the pops out of us But it's a little bit too much Jeff well, took a nasty
2: bump there And, and he hit his head
0: hard. One of those The chairs bump Like yeah. and, and then most of all Isn't the point of Jeff Hardy being there To put someone like Darby Allen over Doesn't this win do ah, You would think more for Darby than it does for Jeff But you hit the point earlier on Was this something that maybe you know you find out that Jeff is you know he he Still thinks he's got more left and he wants a run Or he wants to be more prominently Focused in singles stuff And now he's beating Darby And so you've got you know Darby and Jungle Boy Two guys along with Sammy who were supposed To be really big parts of your company With MJF the pillars And now all yeah. of a sudden of those four pillars You got one of them that feels Like he's pretty important and the other three Are kind of just Interchangeable guys on the roster
2: Uh, And now you've got Cole versus Jeff Hardy uh, Where it gets really interesting I I could see Jeff Hardy going over Something happens on uh, The elite side of things uh, And I could see Cole going over Um, I I just Sometimes tournaments have good payoffs And sometimes they don't You know uh, Who uh, what meaning is most? Uh, who does it hurt Cole more? Uh, does it hurt uh, uh Hardy less? Uh, does it hurt him more? I, I don't know. I, I thought the overall the match, I'm with you. I, I'm just over a lot of this stuff, but I know it's a W stick. Um, I, I'm just afraid that really something serious is going to happen in one of these matches. Um, but I'm with you. These young guys are not going over or maybe not so much young. But the, these guys who have been around for AEW and were the reasons why they were they were stars on the indie and they were supposed to be pushing AEW. We're not seeing that a lot of right now. Uh, it seems like there's some audibles that are being called. Uh, and and I, it's, it's interesting, man. It's just interesting. You think you have something figured out and then you're like, OK, that's why I'm the fan and that's why I watch every week um that's what makes professional wrestling intriguing and entertainment because you really don't know what's truly going to happen at the end of the day even if you see the odds at minus 900 as per the kentucky derby you
0: just (laughs) never know
2: what's going to happen at the end of the race
0: it's very true my friend uh and that's a good way for us to finish on up each and every week, Chad Cooper's here with me talking uh, this weekend, wrestling everything going on in WWE with Raw, with SmackDown, with NXT, and then over in AEW. Cooper Loop, my friend, thanks so much uh, again, and I look forward to chatting with you next week, buddy. I know uh, you're holding out on us because you made all that money on uh, on Rich Strike.
2: <laughs> my my horse is still still running. Oh uh,
0: yeah, um, they're they're trying like, to hey, find horse, him somewhere.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, a <laughs> Still running somewhere it's like hey oh that horse was I, so you know, wide
0: man he was so wide he was in that was in parking lot man yeah. yeah
2: it was brutal I you know I just uh it's fascinating time for sports. I've been I've been I know nothing about hockey, uh, but I like playoff hockey. The NBA is crazy. Uh we've got all kind of these big summer blockbuster movies. Uh, coming out uh, you know, Top Guns coming out I know you're going to have everything for us man uh, y- You do a lot of stuff Not just wrestling and horse racing You do a lot of stuff and it's uh, it's always a fun time To get to chat with you and listen to all the good stuff uh, Tidbits you have you know.
0: Coop you have a fantastic weekend My friend and I will uh, talk to you next week Brother you got it bud Make sure to give Chad a follow At the Chad Cooper on social media And don't go anywhere folks A lot more on this episode That's Coopaloo This week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, we go from the current wrestling back in time to some old wrestling. Up next, it's going to be the old wrestling rewatch, Spring Stampede 94 WCW. We talk about a fantastic show. Really, really good card. This was Andrew Champagne's pick. Nice call, Andrew here. We have a a flair steamboat match in the main event. It's kind of like a wonky Finish there which is a word that uh, Chad Coop likes so I'll start using it even more Let's dive back into Some old wrestling WCW 94 with Spring Stampede
2: So you want to set the mood You're looking for
0: something All natural Soy wax Non-toxic baby scents for every season Now don't be afraid baby Just spell it out Com. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Last mm-hmm. thing, rewatch is back with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocalli. We have uh, one of DZ's picks, and this is a real, real hidden gem. This is a, a show we're gonna head back to 1994, and we're gonna head back to WCW for Spring Stampede. DZ, great pick here, and I, I gotta say, just looking at the, you know, the, the match card on paper, you really do have a who's who of all time greats in the wrestling business. You know, in what's hilarious is we'll talk a little bit about one of the the uh Dark matches, which is kind of funny To discuss, but matches that we saw On the card, DDP was in the Opener, a very early DDP Not the mm. not the world champ DDP that we would See later, but we got uh Lord Steven Regal, Brian Pillman We've got Mick Foley on the card Steve Austin on the card, the Great Muda's On the card, Sting Rick Rude You got Dustin Rhodes, Vader uh The big boss man who had a Really good uh, career, and then you got Flair and Steamboat, so it's a very, very fun card. There's a lot of good matches through and through. And what I like the most, there are two matches on this show that just surprise the hell out of you—at least me—that are way better than they look on paper.
3: Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a it, look. Is it is it um, WrestleMania three from a historical standpoint? Does it have a five star match in it? No, probably not. But it's just a fun show, um, and 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 it's a show that. It's twenty eight years, you know, from in the past from now, and it's got you know a future all time great on the card, like you mentioned in Steve Austin. It somehow has a couple of guys that are still actually actively wrestling, uh, like like Sting, and I mean, well, DDP doesn't really wrestle anymore. He shows up from from time to time, but uh, and Dustin Rhodes, who obviously still wrestles with AEW, um, and it's just it's kind of an interesting. Uh, an interesting show from from the standpoint, like you said, so many big names on the card. A couple of matches really surprise you and how good they are. You have a mix of wrestling matches with some chaotic stuff, with some brawling. Uh, it really just kind of checks a lot of the different boxes for a wrestling fan. That gives you a lot of the different elements of professional wrestling where you could sit back and enjoy and you could say, okay, here's a wrestling match. Here's a brawl. Here's a wrestling match. Here's a brawl. Oh, I remember that guy. Oh man, look at the shape this guy was in. Uh, it, it's just a, it's just a really fun show uh, from start to finish. And I, I really, I don't believe that there's anything bad in it. Like I said, Andrew may not be a five star match on the card, but you could sit down, watch this, and have a hell of a good time doing so.
1: There's a lot of fun stuff on this card. That's for darn sure. I mean, you get probably the first legitimately great. Hardcore match in the style of hardcore matches as we know them. Yeah, with the Nasty and, Boys and Cactus
0: Jack and, and it surprises Payne. you. Like it catches me off guard. I'm not yeah. expecting it with these guys. And I was I remember in in just doing the research. I can't. I've seen the show, but I didn't remember. A lot of the stuff that had happened on the show This is probably one of those where I would I had it on In the background sometimes and wasn't really paying attention That much when I did watch it I definitely remember the main event But I did not remember that Nasty Boys Cactus Jack Max Payne match at all That Chicago street fight Andrew Was and you and I aren't The blood guts gore type Guys right that's not usually like our Genre but this was a Fun match these guys worked their Butts off for about nine minutes Everybody was going at it fully was Flying around yeah it Was
1: uh, it's a match that I've seen A couple of times before and it doesn't Get old we've said it before Look I don't necessarily Mind hardcore matches I Mind stuff that's unnecessarily Dangerous and ridiculous and look we had some unprotected headshots in a couple And thumbtacks.
3: You mind thumbtacks.
1: I hate thumbtacks <laughs> with the fire that burns in a thousand suns. But this match was literally just four guys beating the hell out of each other. It was simple and it worked. And you don't need to be much more complicated than that. You get this match, you get a flare steamboat match, and those two couldn't have a bad match if they tried Not crazy about the ending to that match, and we'll get there when we get there. You also get a couple of really good solid matches too. Vader against the big boss man really surprised me. Loved that match. You get a decent brawl with Dustin Rhodes. You get a Sting-Rude match that's pretty good. Honestly, to me, one of the few disappointments of the night Comes with one of the biggest draws of all time, and one of my favorite guys. We'll get to that match because boy was I disappointed in Steve Austin and the Great Muda
0: Yeah, that was. You're right. That was one in in the Sting Rude match was also a little one that maybe you would have expected more from. On I thought paper. that was
1: still it, okay. It the wasn't, problem was wasn't, Rude was almost done at that point, yeah. and you could tell
3: it wasn't. It's his, la- it's his last match ever in the United mm-hmm. States. Yeah,
0: which is really cool about this uh, show in particular in that. This is sort of like a forgotten time period for him and Steamboat. You know, cuz it's like at the end like I I even forget you you just don't see them wrestling very deep into 94. So when you do, it's like, "Oh, wow, you you forget. Steamboat still could go, but he didn't have a whole lot left after this. He had a little run with Austin for the US title and then that ended up being it for for Steamboat. We'd see little Drinks of water for him later on He had some fun doing a couple Things with Ring of Honor and then he did this stuff with Jericho and WWE years later But really cool show This is that time period that it just When Flair goes Back to WCW And the time before Hogan comes over Is really one of my bigger blind spots And I'm, I love when we attack These shows because they, They're they not shows that all the time get Talked about but DZ for the most part They're pretty solid And I don't, you know, Flair's not a bad booker And that was what was going on here Flair actually was the guy booking the show here And that was different from Dusty Who had been sort of in charge for a while And like anything, it's like any coach Any um, person that runs a a company After the same voice or a similar voice for a while You just kind of need someone else Making the calls, making the decisions And I thought Flair did a pretty decent job It just ended up getting to the point where Flair didn't want to do it Like this was Flair's like, Hey, just let me go out there and wrestle. Like, I don't want to make decisions. I don't want to be the guy telling people what's happening. Like, that's just not who he is.
3: And you you have a mention of, of Hogan on the show, um, which is really interesting because at, at the time of this, at the time of this show, uh, which is April the 17th of 1994. I mean, you know, we're talking about two, maybe two particular weeks after Uh, WrestleMania 10, I believe it was, uh, in 94. Um, You know, Hogan is is coming to WCW. uh, And this is kind of, it's kind of weird to say passing a baton from Flair to Hogan. But this is like the last big run of Flair as being the guy uh, in WCW. Because he's going to go on to, eventually they're going to unify these two titles, the international world heavyweight championship which of course was previously the nwa championship it's that that big beautiful belt when wcw broke away from nwa it really
1: convoluted history with that if you can explain that to anyone in under 15 seconds you (laughs) deserve a
3: medal yeah it's it it, it's really really bizarre uh and then they probably figured out it was kind of bizarre and they unified the two belts uh, a little bit later on uh and flair ends up i think with the unified belts and then I think he loses it to Hogan uh, when Hogan debuted at uh, at Bash at the Beach. So we're pretty much coming to the end of Flair being that guy. And we're about to head to the Hogan period. And then, of course, the NWO period. But you're right. This is, this is kind of a weird spot for Flair and WCW. It's the year after he left WWF. It's kind of before all of the crazy stuff is about to go down with the Monday Night Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think... I I I did watch because there were guys that I was a fan of. I was a big Sting guy, a big Vader guy, a big Austin guy. So I watched, but you can understand someone saying that this is a bit of a blind spot because it's really kind of in between the two big periods. It's in between the big NWA era and it's in between well, the, the big, big, the big night night TV War era. boom. Yeah, because yeah.
0: there's no Monday Night. We're, we're still in the yep. Saturday Night era. You know, they at the end of the show, which is hilarious, And I guess that was one of my only gripes is that It did sort of feel weird that We have the main event of the show And and I will say I liked the whole Inclusion of Bockwinkle in spots As like hey look here's what happened I'm going to make it seem real This is my decision this is why I did that But it, it always seems weird To me to have like a main event match That ends up leading You know they can tune in to Saturday night And see what's going to happen next Right. You know it was like that was part of the story That was my only issue I think they wanted this story to keep You know, to have a little bit more to go And, and it would have been nice to have a, a little more of a bow on the end of that You know, just from uh, Watching this show individually But I, I like the show Really from top to bottom And as we get into it We have to start One of the dark matches There were two dark matches on this show <laughs> and And one of them was between Danny Bonaducci from the Partridge family and Christopher Knight, who was Peter Brady from the yep. Brady bunch. So this is hilarious, DZ, just to see on paper. And I, I just looked up a, a little clip from uh Conrad and Eric Bischoff's show and they and they talked about this, you know, when when they did this, and Bischoff it's so funny because Bischoff hates Dave Meltzer, you know. So anytime, you know, Conrad's going through stuff and he said, here's what Dave Meltzer wrote in that week or during that time in the, you know, in the sheets. And he said, most of the time, Meltzer will say, God, I hate Dave Meltzer or something, you know, he'll go. And after this, he said, yeah Dave Melter was right that was a piece of crap You know he said we, we, we shouldn't have done that He said you know we could have had better use of them He said I don't think these guys even got trained For more than 20 or 30 minutes On what they were going to do and go out there and have a match But he did go on to say You know later we did a reality show that was the the Hogan Hulk Hogan's wrestling, you know, and, and it was like one of those really celebrity wrestling shows. But he said of all of the people that they ended up doing some work with, Danny mm-hmm. Bonaducci actually wasn't bad after they gave him a lot of time. Like he had some athleticism. He did a lot of the celebrity boxing stuff later. But so funny to see Danny Bonaducci and Christopher Knight as the, the opening dark match on this card.
3: I would have been very curious to see what that actually looked like. I, I, I tried to like Google it and YouTube it to see if I could find like a video clip Me too. of them and, and it's not out there. No. Um, but yeah, it. it I, I kind of did a double take uh, when I saw that because obviously being a dark match, you never see it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's funny. You You would wish that WCW would have done some more of their wonky stuff, maybe with dark matches like this
0: exactly andrew Danny Ponatucci from the partridge family he was uh is he still doing a lot of radio stuff i know he did a lot of radio stuff out here in southern california for a while and he was sort of like an MC uh on some of the morning shows and stuff i
1: think he's up in seattle now but i could be wrong about that um yeah this uh this, this was weird. It's just so in, weird. In, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I grew up whenever I wasn't able to sleep, I'd turn on Nick at night and I'd watch the Brady bunch and I'd watch other stuff from that era. And just seeing this, I'm like, wait, what? Why? I don't like I don't understand what's going on here. You I don't know. know why they decided to do this. I know Eric Bischoff and uh, Jason Hervey from the Wonder Years were close. Have to think that might have played a role in some of that. I don't know. But my goodness, just
0: Bischoff it, was saying so,
1: so, somewhere. Two very talented wrestlers on the WCW <laughs> roster were left off the show. Not getting time. Of Danny Bonaducci <laughs> and Christopher yeah. Knight.
0: I think Bischoff said something like one of the local, one of the guys who did some of the local stuff. Thought this was a good idea to promote and help them sell tickets and, and some things And he said it did catch a little bit of local buzz But it was just they didn't do a great job of setting things up And that was one of the problems with WCW that you'd even see hints of here There weren't too many things overall on the show that just seemed like awful Or horribly planned or anything But that was one thing over the next, you know, five years Even five to six years or so Even at their best, they'd still have shows that felt like Did somebody write a rundown for this? You know like was there just like a basic format For this show some of the time Is it you know timed out As uh, we head on over to kick things off With Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Dallas Page so Johnny B. Bad would Go on to be Mike uh, Mark Merrow We actually kick off the show with the Intro the title and uh, Voice over setting up some of the major Matches and how crazy Is that because this is really That early time period as Darren mentioned, Hulk Hogan's not here yet, but he gets brought up. But you know who is here? Mean Gene and Bobby the Brain Heenan.
3: And Jesse Ventura.
0: Jesse Ventura. So just <laughs> hearing them being the major voices of this show, along with Tony Schiavone, of course. But the first voice that you hear is Mean Gene. And he welcomes us and he gives the, they're hanging from the rafters. It's like, whoa, look at Mean Gene here In early 94 in WCW And Aaron Neville sings the national anthem Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain Heenan welcome us Of all, Like always, you'd imagine Bobby's talking about flair And uh, the crowd starts to chant weasel So it's a good energy in the crowd And, and this crowd, it's, it's got to be a little bit of a weird shift too, DZ Because I'm sure for as many uh the people who enjoyed seeing guys like Bobby the Brain and mean Gene and come over there was always this sort of weird rivalry between you know like the WCW and NWA and WWF and what was going on down south and up north and it was like our wrestling and our guys are better than your guys so mm-hmm. this was a really weird just a little bit different c- coming together and sort of migrating from people north down south which we didn't see as much of as people going from south up north for the big money
3: yeah, uh, this is when the things, the, the waters start to get a little, I won't say murky, but things start to get mixed for the first time. Um, you know, there would be occasional guys who would make the switch. Um, obviously, you know, uh, Mark Calloway, who, of course, would become the Undertaker, uh, was a was a WCW guy who would end up in WWF. But again, Mark Calloway and WCW mean Mark was was was. You know, a, a mid-card type guy. Mm-hmm. Kevin Nash, who went on and became Diesel, you know, who was Oz and Vinnie Vegas. Again, a mid-card type guy. These weren't, at the time, blockbuster names that would go from one company to the other. Maybe at this point, like, the Nasty Boys and, and LOD were guys that would bounce back and forth. That were that were probably the biggest types of names that you would see. Yeah. What was that? And Rude, rude. yes. Rude. Yeah, <laughs> Rude. Yeah. But now you're starting to see, all right, we're Heenan, and here's Mean Gene coming in, and Hogan's coming in, and not too far after this, Savage is coming in. Mm-hmm. This is when things really uh, start to kind of mold together, and the, the lines get a little bit blurred. One thing I wanted to mention, the guy that I always felt bad for in WCW was Gary Capetto. This guy who's was the WCW ring announcer, and I thought had a very nice voice yeah. uh, for a long time. <laughs> and God knows what Bischoff was paying Michael Buffer to come in I know. And, and do the like the title matches on the pay-per-view. That Gary is probably sitting there making like five hundred bucks for the card. If and, that. And he's... Buffer's probably getting like 25000 dollars to come in and replace him in the big matches.
0: And Capetta's probably got to re- do the write up for Buffer, you know. Yeah. And he's probably because Buffer doesn't know anyone. He doesn't yeah, know exactly. who anyone is. He's yeah, got to exactly. tell him, you know. So I do. I agree with you. You feel bad. It's like, oh hey, we got a big show coming up. Things are about to get real. Sit, sit, sit in the back, buddy. Take us. A...
3: Like in WWF, you know, Finkel, like Howard the Fink, Finkel did everything. They he was the guy. Boring. They didn't bring in like, yeah, I mean, I know that they would bring in like special ring For a WrestleMania with Bob Euchre and stuff yeah. like that. But this guy, but Buffer literally became like the other announcer who whenever they had a big match and then and then when 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 things got to Monday night, Buffer started to do Nitro. I know. <laughs> like,
0: I it know. was
3: it was Buff, Buffer had to make God knows how much money off of WCW and a weird thing. The last thing I'll mention with Buffer, I, I actually watched the documentary on him. When when him and his brother Bruce, who's the UFC announcer, when they got together and, and they formed Buffer Enterprises and they and they copyrighted the "Let's Get Ready to Rumble" f- uh, phrase, they made over a, half a billion dollars in insane. revenue off of sales that connected so... to the licensing of "Let's Get Ready to Rumble."
0: Wow, <laughs> Andrew, what are we doing here,
3: man? Come up with well, a damn something line. out. Come on, man. My Come goodness. On.
1: It's uh, I, I did read that story and the, the buffers, by the way, tremendous story. It was a yeah. case where they found each other later in life. Um, but whatever buffer was making from WCW was enough to where WCW was his primary employer rather than boxing for a couple of years. And um, he left
3: he left UFC because he originally was doing UFC work and he left UFC to, to take the WCW gig, which was more dates. Yeah, um, there's
1: a lot going on there. And then Capetta gets cut in 95 and they brought in David Penzer to sort of be the underneath ring announcer. And he stuck around for a while and nothing against David Penzer. But, yeah, I always thought Capetta was a very nice listen. And what I loved in a nice little callback, there was an independent video game. Called Legends of Wrestling That was mm-hmm. in the early to mid 2000s yep. And it wasn't bad You could no. tell that it was an independent developer That put it together But who did they get to do the ring announcing? Gary Capetta
0: Mm-mm, Not bad, go. yeah, really cool So so we get this show started And I, my notes here when I was watching Johnny B. Bad I was like, Johnny B. Bad looks like a cowboy stripper He, <laughs> does, he looks he looks <laughs> like a guy Who would be at like a female stripper a female bachelorette party, Dude, you know. I will say one thing: that the guy is like is chiseled out of stone. Oh, he looks, I and that's why it was so funny. God. He, he's in fantastic shape, and he's wearing like, you know. Yeah, have you guys seen the pictures of what like what Sammy Sosa looked like later in life when he's yeah. the cowboy? It kind of yeah. reminds me here of what yeah. Sammy Sosa looks like when he, he goes Mero's Mar- 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 just a weird looking guy. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. then and you throw in, you know, the whole cowboy gimmick which is hilarious to me. I I just made me laugh quite a bit. And uh, DDP is this is really early DDP. He's he's like bloated. He hasn't yeah. he hasn't gotten onto the DDP yoga. Quite By the way, it's
3: but, it's it's early DDP, and I think he's already 38 years old at this
1: Yeah,
0: moment. no, you're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he is. Um okay, I, I need to do us all a very public service here. How have we talked for this match for a full solid minute without mentioning
0: Kimberly? I was just about to say, yeah, but it didn't diamond matter Hall. if he was bloated, he still pulled the diamond doll yeah, somehow. It, somehow we, we forget how gorgeous she was in the yeah, mid yeah. to late nineties. Uh y- yeah, we shouldn't. So I mean this match isn't it's not awful or anything, but you could see Diamond DDP was still really early on And he wasn't the, the polished worker that he would become in, in just a few years, like 97 After some of the stuff he was doing with Savage He was really, really good in the ring mm-hmm. He could sell quite a bit He would That was sort of the problem here, you could tell He kind of, he, the, the bumping and the selling He was still sort of overdoing it How people kind of do really early on in their career But <laughs> there was this one point that made me laugh where um the, so the diamond doll comes over and gives Bobby a diamond so bobby's yeah. all ex- pumped about it he loves it oh they gave me a diamond it says bh on it my initials or whatever so he, bobby's acting like he knows ddp really well and he says hey uh tony you know what that move is called tony says a, a gut buster <laughs> he says no <laughs> stomach, stomach buster, buster. <laughs> <laughs> he goes he goes uh, didn't i say that He goes no the stomach and the gut Totally two different things man come on You know it was just it was a great Bobby (laughs) Like just the way he Played it you know it was just straight uh, Deadpan really made me Chuckle a little bit Uh, this thing Ended up going about uh, About six minutes when it was all said and done You get a, a flying sunset Flip for the win Johnny B Bad gets the W And he's going to mention a little bit later on That he wants to uh, be the, the number one contender For one of these titles So DZ wasn't a bad way To uh, to open the show Not n- Nothing on this card really is all that bad And Johnny B Bad could fly around And you could tell You could see when you watched him Why both companies WCW and WWE Could be high on the guy Because he really was athletic He had a good look to him And he could talk He was very Boisterous and energetic and stuff It is funny to to, to think that this guy would be Like the toned down Mark Marrow Boxer, you know, the the role That he has like a little bit later on But he always had a lot of Like upside, a lot of potential And a lot of ability
3: He's an athlete, Um, he was a football player In high school Um, He became a boxer uh, And a very successful boxer He won the Golden Gloves uh, tournament in New York Um, he wanted to become a professional boxer. If I remember correctly, I think he had a bad accident where he busted up his face pretty good. Uh, and I think it kind of sidetracked his, uh, boxing career. If I, if I remember correctly, uh, and then he would go into WCW and, and he was there for, oh, about six years or so. He would go on to become a world television champion. Uh, and then of course he would make the jump over to, uh, WWF, WWE, where he was partnered with his wife at the time and, uh, which was Sable. And, uh, you know, he went through uh, some tough times in his life, battled some demons, had a deal with Brock Lesnar, stealing his wife, right from under him. Uh, Um, a lot of, a lot of weird stuff. He's actually now a motivational speaker. Um, so that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, he, he was just an athletic guy. He had a bit of a weird look to him for sure. He looked like little Richard. he he did. Like, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, he, you did, know. he had a little Richard look to it. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. Um, but yeah, he was an athlete, and I always respected the fact that he that he was an athlete. Um, they should have put him in the in the brawl for all because he probably would have knocked everybody out. I know, I,
0: I know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, little Richard showed up uh, when I used to watch Pee Wee's Playhouse every now and then. Andrew, so I, I was a big fan of uh, of his down there. What'd you think of the uh, the opening match on the card? Uh, Mark Miro
1: actually was in the brawl for all. Uh, Was he really? He, yeah, he beat Steve Blackman on decision and then he lost to Bradshaw on points. Just okay. according to Wikipedia, wow. source You're of right. all knowledge. You're
0: right. That's um, funny because he feels I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I guess there was a t- there were three or four guys like Bradshaw could throw. How some dare in.
1: we not know every single thing about the brawl about the for all. brawl? Come that, on, that's guys. Be, you know
0: what? That might be a, that might be a, a deep dive one time where we just the go only, through that tournament. The only thing brawl. I remember, the only
3: thing I remember about about the brawl for all. Was was the fact that, that Bart Gunn beat Steve Williams And screwed up the whole in thing The whole thing, the whole <laughs> yep. thing they set up <laughs> They talk thing about I the
1: all-time
0: backfire You know, it was like, just, I, And, and,
1: then, and like, the thing was Bart Gunn outright apparently said before the match Hey, listen, I'll work with you guys However you want to do this, we can do this And apparently someone said Oh, no, we have faith in Dr. Death Yeah, yeah. famous last words yeah. um,
3: and, then Bart, back, and then Bart Gunn fought against uh, Butterbean Butterbean and and poor part.
1: (laughs) Butterbeat just
0: oh, that was brutal. Uh, That was brutal.
1: Oh god. We might we might have to rewatch that at some point. But um (laughs) no, as far as this match goes, it's not particularly good, but there's some energy for it. The crowd's into it. Uh bad gets a sunset flip for the pin, and the crowd pops. Uh, the one thing that I noticed, unfortunately, and it came up a couple of times, there's a sign, a couple. Rose back on the hard camera That says we want Chris and Tammy Um oh, <laughs> yeah oh, wow. It comes up a couple of times Uh over the course of the evening and and uh, for those who are unaware, of course, we're referring to Sonny and her husband Chris Candido, and it has not been a good couple of months for yeah. uh, Mrs. Sitch. So, uh, well, it's, it has been a yeah, good about seven years for
0: her. I was gonna say, this yeah, is, it's, this was about uh, the peak for for uh, Sonny. We're,
1: we're, we're being kind. Uh, it's it's not good at all, and just seeing that, I'm like. Oh, God, I wonder if we can find that guy and see if he regrets bringing that sign into where people can see it 28 years later. Uh, But no, as as far as openers go, it's not particularly good, and Paige is still sort of learning how to work, which is weird because he's 38 years old, but he's still sort of learning his timing and getting all of that stuff squared away. It's not like it's bad, though.
3: No, no, it's not. And by by the way, it's interesting. We talked about this on one of the recent shows. The difference between an opening show in 1994, I mean, sorry, an opening match in 1994 to, to start a show and in 2022, where back then it's two guys that are relatively fresh, new, making, you know, making some headway, short match to start the card. Now, the opening match to a lot of shows, big shows, is is a, you know, is two big guys that mm-hmm. are going to go
0: 20 minutes it's a, and, and, and inject a lot of energy. into Semi-main the event almost. Yeah, yeah, and it is funny because this year they did sort of The the openers weren't bad or anything But they did sort of um, on night one stack the show Like in elevating order, right? Of, Of like some of the least important matches on the show And then they built, built, built Which is something that other promotions and other wrestling companies have always done And WWE generally has been sometimes like Especially more recently like Darren was saying Give you something big right off the bat this was fine and and then the, the show Would start to build now towards your your Bigger main event matches throughout And you could tell towards the matches that They felt were important the match That what got talked about a lot on the show was The bunkhouse buck dustin Rhodes match We heard you know multiple Promos for that we heard conversations about It throughout the night and you could tell that dustin was someone That they liked and they were trying to get behind Early on and um after this opener, we had Tony and Bobby check in And then they threw it over to Mean Gene and Jesse the Body Ventura They plugged the WCW hotline is uh, Which is always a fun uh, joke with uh, with Mean Gene Always plugging that hotline And we got set for our World Television Championship really, match Really
1: quick before we go much yeah, further please, here go ahead. Uh, They mentioned stuff about it being a big week for Jesse Ventura, was this when his uh, issues with WWE got settled and he got something like eight hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars? I think was so, that yes. that week? Okay, yeah, I, think I so. wasn't sure, and I thought that was the case, but I, I, I did try to do a little bit of research and I couldn't nail down a specific date. But uh, Jesse certainly does look very, very happy despite <laughs> one of the worst haircuts I have ever seen.
3: What? Yeah, I it's I, I, it's kind of interesting because in addition to. He had the big settlement with WWE. He's doing this show, acting like Jesse Ventura, while also being mayor of a town in Minnesota. It's uh, it's quite an interesting uh, little trifecta there. And then, of course, Jesse goes on to run and win a uh, governorship of Minnesota. Yeah. You know, paving Just- the way for... I don't know maybe Donald Trump that, years. That 20. one
0: line that I'll tell you I'll yeah. never forget that line from Wrestlemania Four man he goes to interview Trump and Trump's sitting there they're at you know the Trump uh, hotel at, at yeah. Wrestlemania four and he goes um, uh, Hey Mr. Trump Uh, you know I was Thinking of running for office if I did can I have Your support he said, whatever you need Jesse Anything you need i will take care of you It was yeah. like oh my gosh this is so funny Just to flash forward where, where We've been you know in the next 30 Years from there as uh We head over to Lord Steven Regal with Sir William versus Brian Pillman And Michael Buffer out to do the intro as Darren mentioned He does the intros for all of the the title matches and the the main event matches Flying Brian comes out first and then Lord Steven Regal with Sir William And and this to me was sort of a, a good example at the difference between WCW and WWF at the time In that this is a match that was 15 minutes and that ended up being a time limit draw And it was a This match had really good stuff in it You know, Flying Brian, it was a good wrestling match In that they were telling a story William Regal, uh, uh, Stephen Regal Obviously here, he's You know, the, the, the tougher, he's going to try to break you He's going to try to, you know, wrap you up like a pretzel And, and Brian's going to do the opposite He's going to be flying around And uh, it just ends up, because they're going to go 15 minutes, this in WWF Would have been like a 7 minute match That the heel probably wins by cheating And that the babyface will get some of it back after the match And then they keep setting up a feud moving forward Here, they end up having a time limit draw There were probably spots in the middle of the match, DZ Where they end up, you know, having to kill a little time And maybe going a bit more than they should with some rest holes But I didn't dislike this match at all I actually read a recap or two that, that was pretty disappointed in it And I wasn't, like, I love... And I get more and more of an appreciation for Regal matches when I watch him back And I, for some reason I don't know if it was sort of like the way that his back was kind of hunched or whatever But like you never look at Regal and think the guy was in that fantastic of shape I don't know if it looked right. like he was, he was like chunky or. Ch- but when you look at him you're like god this guy was, was cut up it's just something weird about the way his body is. You know, he's almost hunched over. So you you look at him and you think, yeah, well, he's kind of got he's husky we're, or something. We're, compare,
3: but we're comparing him to guys that are shooting themselves up with steroids. Like if, right. you, if you go to the gym and you 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 take care of yourself and you just lift weights and like that that's that's what you're supposed
0: to look like. That's that's <laughs> yeah. that's you there. It's not yeah. it's not you all know? that extra. It's not yeah. all that extra.
3: Yeah. Uh, no, I I enjoyed the match. I I, I think. I I if someone was disappointed watching this my guess is that they went to it expecting it to be a Flying Brian style match and it's a Regal style match.
0: That's a great way of putting it. That's yeah. a great way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: It's it's you know y- you have Flying Brian in a wrestling match where he's not doing all of the Flying Brian stuff for 15 minutes. And maybe somebody could watch that and be disappointed. I th- I take the opposite view. It shows me that a guy who's a high flyer ahead of his time, who's known for that style in WCW, is able to have a good match with a much more technically, uh, a more, much more technical, savvy type wrestler, which is what Regal is. Is there more mat wrestling holds? Sure. And maybe there are going to be people in 2020, 2022, and even in 2005 who watch this and that's not the style of wrestling they want to see. Still a good match. The ending, the, the, my only problem with the match is that it's completely telegraphed. You know right away this thing is going to be a time limit draw because you hear in the background, five minutes into the match. So it's like right away. As soon as they start know, saying that, you know. Yeah, you know where this is going right away. Um, that's my only problem with it. It's like the hard count on the count out. Like you never hear a referee count. And then all of a sudden when you hear them go, three, four, it's like, okay, this guy's getting counted out. Um, other than that, I thought it was a fine match. I think it's around three stars. Um, But yeah, if somebody watched this and wanted a little bit more flying of the flying Brian, I guess I can understand it, but I enjoyed it.
1: So I liked the match. I thought there were flaws in it. I gave it two and three quarters. Uh, Regal running out the clock as the heel champ. I understand that. And it's not like there is bad wrestling here. There's good Shane wrestling in here. Pillman has a spot where he flips out of a razor's edge type thing and gets a small package for two. That's a really good spot. My problem is you've got an opener that fired up the crowd and the crowd was, was amped for this and the crowd just sort of dies as the match goes along to where when Pillman tries to make his comeback in the last minute or 30 seconds or whatever, it feels
3: very rushed
1: they're they're not really there with them yeah that, you're right that that's my problem with this match uh, it's not bad it's just it's it doesn't fit with the vibe of the show and there's probably not a good spot to put a match like this where it would have a decent effect but also the the same guy that brought the sign that talked about Chris Candido and uh Tammy uh also brought a sign that said who booked that? and when the <laughs> bell rings he switches the sign and he holds that one up. Oh, that's and great. Look, I understand where they're going with this as the heel just, you know, escapes by the skin of his teeth, but maybe it's the 2022 wrestling fan in me as opposed to 1994. I think you do that kind of match on a TV show as opposed Completely, to a big I was just going to
0: say this felt like a, a TV type match. Not because it wasn't bad, but just there was it was a the I think what ended up happening was the first few minutes are good. And then from about minute 4 to like minute 11 It was like a real It sort of like sucked the life out of the the place And it wasn't bad Like there's some mat wrestling right There's some rest holds They're telling a story But just as Andrew said By the time they try to build back up It's like it feels too rushed There's only a, a little bit of the the hope spot And it doesn't ever really feel like Pillman's going to get the job done it, You're just sort of like Oh yeah we can sense we're going to a, a time limit draw here there was a moment where Bobby's headset and mic weren't working, and and he comes back and uh, he he says he can smell Dustin Rhodes in in the, in the arena here, and and then Tony says no, that's bunkhouse buck. We got a uh, the Re- regal rolls him up using the tights for a two count with about four minutes left or so, but they did really slow it down with some submissions in the middle part. A uh, big drop kick. The crowd was really into it, and Bobby was giving us some uh, some updates at the end. What. A minute left there's got to be only 30 seconds left And I love that Bobby was kind of counting it down It did It did feel cool there And then both men went up and over the top ropes To the outside at one point The uh yeah it was it wasn't bad But what was weird about it too is like it was a draw And it was one of those things where they didn't even want to give The crowd time to boo it They just moved right on to what was next <laughs> Quickly it was like Let's just get right to the next we know the crowd Probably doesn't like these type of results And they just moved immediately Backstage to Mean Gene with Bunkhouse Buck and the quote greatest promoter on the face of planet Earth. As uh, Mean Gene called him a uh, what do you call him? A, uh, fer- a fertilizer salesman. And he was backstage interviewing Bunkhouse Buck and Colonel Robert Parker here. For the record, I have no idea what Bunkhouse Buck was saying. I mean, he was just <laughs> going. Absolutely nuts! I was like, "What? What is this guy saying?" But he had some energy here, and uh, the one thing DZ is—you could tell—they, um, you know, as any as I mean, most companies would at the time. Dusty Rhodes was a legend. Dustin Rhodes had a ton of—stop me if you heard this before—natural ability. So you'd want to be getting behind this guy as a future face of your company. So wasn't it if bunkhouse Buck was like a major player here? But it looked like a the type of guy who they sort of. Picked out and penciled it and said this is a good First feud for Dustin Rhodes or one of his good one of his first Feuds and these two guys wrestled for a Long time almost a year
3: Yeah no I Totally agree um, they had A couple of grueling matches we'll talk about the One here which I I, You know I know it was pretty gory And bloody but I, I actually Enjoyed it <laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't find that, it either I thought, I thought for for what type of match it was I thought it, it it told a good story and I thought it built up well and we'll talk about it. But yeah, you, you know, Dustin obviously is getting a bit of a push here. Um they got him in a in a in a prime place in the card, he's between Sting and Vader on the card. Um near the near the end of the, of the card as well. Um you know, it, it Dustin Rowe it, it's just so weird. Like he had such he had high moments and and then kind of like you forget about him at times you know, know he was in the u.s title picture but it feels like he never got over like that hump i know you know he never got to that next level and then of course you know he goes to wwf and becomes gold dust and the rest is history um but uh and not to knock on the gold dust character it's a it's a you know from a historical standpoint it's, it's a very renowned character but uh you know, and in at this point, watching Dustin, Ro- Dustin Rhodes. If I told you, you know, within three years the guy was going to be making his bread dressed up as, you know, a a gold drag queen s character, you would have looked at me and said, "Yeah, okay." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. What are um, you smoking, DZ? Pass yeah, it over right, this what way. You right? you got
3: going on? Yeah, but um, no, you're 100 percent right. Um, it, it's it's interesting. It, he's one of the more interesting arcs, uh, wrestling arcs, in terms of a career uh from where he was, what they were doing with him and where he ended up.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was a guy that, first of all, his the natural theme music is a really good piece of business. That's over on YouTube somewhere. And when he was working with the WWE and they brought Starcade back as a house show, they actually had Gold Dust come out and they did the gold dust entrance. They cut the music They brought the natural music up and they introduced him as the natural Dustin Rhodes and he wrestled as the natural Dustin Rhodes for a night and people went crazy. Um, The the fact that he is still alive is a heck of a feat. The fact that he's 53 years old and is still probably one of the top 50% of workers in AEW, what does that tell you about this guy? Like, he had a lot of the skills that you need in order to be a big, big star in the business. He didn't get over that hump in WCW and he, his time was probably around here, but then they bring in that Hogan dude. And at that point, I think he sort of realized, okay, yep. Not getting a big belt here. What's going yep. on. And then you wind up with the gold paint and the wig and Marlena and all of that stuff. Over in uh, over in Vince's promotion.
0: So up next, we had this awesome match. If you're if you're looking at this show and on paper you go, oh, Nasty Boys, Cactus Jack, Max Payne. Now, nah, okay, we'll see. Whatever this is, <laughs> this is an, a just an awesome, pleasant surprise. In this thing first out the Nasty Boys, and immediately we get this really quick pace. It is super intense and fully is. Freaking flying around He's just got this extra bounce in his step And we get a split screen So we're basically in two separate matches But it's not so much That you're Like you can't handle It's really cool, it's really well done And major props to WCW Because this wasn't There wasn't a whole lot of this going on at the time Especially for them, this was an ECW thing This wasn't a WCW thing And so for WCW to be able to Produce a match like this That was was fine I'm, I'm sure they, they missed stuff here and there But it actually looked really really cool I mean they're using pool cues here They're fighting at like a fake Set up souvenir stand And at one point uh, Shivani he, he grabs a t-shirt And uh, Shivani says That shirt doesn't even fit him <laughs> like, <just> like <laughs> Which was just like a really funny line And I was not ready to like this match as much as I did, and to get as into it as I was, Foley goes into the guardrail and flips over it. Uh, one of the coolest spots: Foley suplexes a table on when he's <laughs> on the on the aisleway. They're fighting in the uh, in the entrance, and they're up on the elevated ramp that WCW would have. And Foley gets one of their tables, and he has it, and he like swings it back over his head. And and slams it on top of Sags. It was so cool. I had never seen anybody do that before. I I absolutely loved it. And um it, it was really, really fun. Foley at the end gets hit with this shovel, like a <laughs> shovel out of nowhere. Right in the like just smacked with a shovel, and then at the end he gets pelted in the face with a shovel. And the crowd is Absolutely loving this at the End they don't even know what they're seeing And Bobby's going nuts too and Tony like they're they're both just It's one of those cool moments when A match does sort of just steal the show That you're not expecting and you can feel Everybody just like Genuinely getting into it And I, I really enjoyed This DZ at the end you know look, Sags hits Foley in the face with The shovel for the win It This for for what was going on At the time you can this, I thought this was like a four star match, not even joking. Like, it's not like the in ring quality, it's not, it's not what you would think when you think of a four star match, but it yep. was so different. It's so unique. The crowd loves it. It does everything you want a wrestling match to do. Yep. No, I,
3: I totally agree. And you, you tell Foley you're going to get eight minutes in this type of match, and you're going to get a thousand miles an hour from eight minutes, and that's what you get. Um, no, it's, it's an awesome match. I mean, you mentioned some of the really cool spots. Um, You know, you get it, you get the table spot, uh, you know, the pile driver through the table, um, the shovel that seemingly is just like you just appears bang. um, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's just it's brutal. It's ruthless and it's entertaining from start to finish. I was uh, watching this back. Uh, I forgot how good this was. And, you know, Foley's got a, got a bunch of matches like this in WCW. And we've watched a couple of them that are that are this style where it's Mm -hmm. like, man, that was good. Yeah. Uh, Sting Vader. Yep. Yep. The Sting one. Absolutely. uh, I mean, this and this is another one uh, highly entertaining. Um, You hit all the high notes. uh, But, Andrew, this is one of the highlights of the night, I think.
1: Uh, I think it's the highlight of the night and I'm grading it at four and a quarter, dinging it just a little bit because. The unprotected shots to the head are a little tough to watch in hindsight, knowing what we know now about concussions and the way the brain works, which honestly in 1994, we knew a little, we didn't know a ton, but this match is it's balls to the wall. It's chaotic. It's high energy. If you can find me a better nasty boys match, I'll happily view it because I think it's this one. And then nothing is close. Uh, You get, Max Payne putting Brian knobs through a souvenir table and Bobby (laughs) Heenan just loses his mind. They're sick. They're nuts. And then you get, I love when he
0: uses the word nuts. Yeah. Yep. And then I,
1: I don't know if it's Heenan or Shivani that says this, but cactus Jack does that sweet spot where he suplexes the table into sags. And one of them says, Cactus Jack has the table and he's not playing cards <laughs> that, that, that caught me pretty good. Uh, You guys mentioned the pile driver, the, the, the thing at the end with sags and Foley in the table, the table totally gives out that yeah. was supposed to be a pile driver. And instead the two guys just sort of tumble through it. Um, yeah. it, it looks more like a pedigree than a pile driver. If we're being honest, it does. but then you get the ending of the match where Foley takes that unprotected shot to the head with a frickin' shovel. <laughs> like, like, what is going on? What, what, whose idea? Well, we know whose idea. I know whose was idea it was. <laughs> yep. Um, I, it's, it's the person that I will be seeing in a couple of days in Sacramento. I'll see if I can ask him. But uh, now, this was a really, really good match that was years ahead of its time. And WCW did what they could with it, despite the fact that, again, It's 1994. Nobody knows how to shoot or produce something like this where everybody's walking around the building and they're just throwing bombs at one another. Midway through the match, we did get that split screen and that wound up working and it worked so well that WCW would wind up using that for other multi-way matches where everybody went everywhere. And that wound up being probably the first time we saw it. Really, really fun stuff. And if you haven't seen it, you absolutely should.
0: Yeah. Go go take a look as we head backstage. Jesse the Body interviews Johnny B Bad, who says he's going to challenge the winner of the U.S. title match. He says he's the greatest wrestler of all time. Okay, and uh, we get Muda and then Austin with Colonel Robert Parker for the WCW U.S. heavyweight title match. And the thing about Muda, great presentation. Um, Muda, he's quick right his his movements when you know he he has certain uh move sets and certain you know some of his greatest hits they're fantastic and and you got a lot of the muda good cool moments here but not this this match just didn't really sustain for me it just didn't flow it was really really slow you could actually tell the crowd getting restless at certain points throughout um Bobby's making a comment that says uh you know they're talking about his voice and he says yeah it was actually me Singing the national anthem you know Aaron Neville Was just lip syncing it and He asks um, How m- so at one point Bobby asks Tony how much do you Think great Muda understands You know and, and Tony goes he was a former heavyweight Champion you know like He knows what's going on here He goes yeah but I don't know you know the count The rules and everything Tony's like Dumbfounded He's like, dude, he's been wrestling in the US for a long time. He's a former NWA champion. He knows what he's doing. It just shows you there, Bobby. Um, you know, that's probably not something that he would have said as much. It wasn't like awful or anything, but it was just a little cringy. And Muda, you know, he hits those big spots, but and um DZ, you know, I didn't I just didn't quite get as into this match as I wanted to. And at the end, I think the crowd. Starts really loving it and that's when They get back into it we get the Muda springboard cross body after The match it ends up being a DQ But it felt like every time you know You he, he get a couple of the, the super Rana spots which he did really really well He just never had a straightforward Match I think because they always Wanted to either keep him protected Or the guy he was wrestling Protected it was so so rare, just straightforward when he was in these matches And I think that ended up hurting some of the run that he would have here I wanted a little more from this match
3: Yeah, I think the best way that I could describe this match Is that it's stuck in first gear for 90% of the match And then mm-hmm. the last 10% they try to really turn it on And you do get a good run at the end That probably helps the match a little bit But there's no steady build-up It's just kind of in neutral throughout uh, I felt like there were a, a lot of rest holds. It kind of dragged. It, it felt like I think the match ended up somewhere around what, 16 minutes or so. Uh, it just and because of all the rest holds and the fact that it was just slowly paced, it, it just felt longer than that. And the ending, you know, the 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 the, the move set at the end was enjoyable. Um, you get uh, you know, you get a bit of an explosion there. But, yeah, I went into this match thinking that it was better than it was going to be. Uh, like I said, I was a big, stunning Steve guy. I was a big Hollywood Blondes guy. I always enjoyed Muda's work. So I was looking for a lot more from this match. And and if everything on the card, I would say this was probably the most disappointing.
1: Disappointing is a really good word. Those who have listened to this show for, my goodness, we've been doing this over two years now, guys. Wow. Uh, time flies. But, uh Y'all know, I love me the great Muda. I was in attendance for one of Muda's last United States matches. Uh, He worked with the guy known as Penta Oscuro against, I'm just going to call him John Morrison because he's Johnny whatever, and Sammy Callahan in a tag match in Long Beach. Gene, no, you're Mm -hmm. not in the woods. And the guy's presence is second to none. The presentation, spot on. He was the great Kabuki Five years after the great Kabuki, who could work, and there are matches of his that are so good. And he was such a good worker that he reinvented himself in the late 1990s as a totally different character, as KG Muto, and it still worked because that's who the guy was in behind it. Now, here you have Steve Austin, the United States champion. Future biggest draw in the history of the business. Future WrestleMania 2022 night one headliner against Kevin <laughs> Owens. And this match, guys, I thought it stunk. Um, I do, too. I, I was looking for something like this was a dream match for me. I was thrilled. I was pumped. And I got met with headlocks and hammer locks for about 12 of the 16 minutes. No buys for me complete with a Horrible finish where they Protect Austin Muda looks like A moron for not knowing the rules to A match
0: just no No I Agree I just this was the one that on the Mat on the card when I'm looking at it going Oh yeah we got uh, this This uh this uh, version of Austin Against Muda And as we talked about Kabuki in previous uh, You know, in the, not long ago In the Starcade um, uh, recap And this was the better version of Kabuki You know, as Andrew had been saying But we didn't get that version all that much here Which was sort of frustrating Because his little flurries that he would have Are awesome, right? When you see that little quick burst that the guy can bring you But we just didn't get it enough In, uh, in this match As we move along and Jesse the Body interviews Dustin Rhodes and we get some footage from Bunkhouse Buck attacking him. So again, we've checked in, you know, throughout the show multiple times and cut pro and promos for multiple people in that match. So they were building it up as one of the top matches on the card, no doubt. Up next was the WCW International World Championship Rick Rude versus Sting. And Harley Race grabs a mic right before the match starts and says that Vader wants to challenge the winner here. So Vader will uh will be taking on the winner of this match. We're gonna see Vader a little bit later on the card. It was a fast start for Sting. He goes right after Rude. And man, this crowd loves Sting. Man called Sting. Man called Sting. And they were into him early. Um all Sting early on. And then Andrew was saying you can sort of tell that Rude. Doesn't have a whole lot left in the tank We get this long front face lock And that was always one of the problems with Rick Rude matches Is that you would just get way too many rest holds Way too many of these slowdown sequences To try to kind of, you know, get the crowd real real against you But a lot of times it would it would put the crowd to sleep I think a little bit too much um, There's a point where Rude gets up And, uh, and Sting uh, kind of throws him on the ropes Uh, And he crotches him on the ropes, and Bobby says that it uh, it it Sting's fault. He he, he was it Sting's fault that happened. He's a little clumsy, so I I thought Bobby had some good lines here. He wasn't quite as sharp as old Bobby, but he still had some decent ones here. Still had a a pretty good fastball most of the time. Rude starts really working on Sting's back, you know, elbows. He does a a hits a suplex, work camel clutch here, and then he is really selling to the crowd. And again, he it's the he locks in the ca- uh, camel crutch, but Sting's able to reverse it here. The uh, we get a sleeper, and then Sting's back up. We we're always gonna get the spot in a Rick Rude match where his butt's out. You're always gonna get one of those. You got a lot of those in the early Shawn Michaels matches too. Yep, where you're gonna yep. see some uh, some uh, some nice butt cheeks there, and then Sting just this is like a weird landing on a back body drop for Rude. You could just tell, like he just was a little bit off. I think he was he was hurting here, and then there was just the end of this match. Oh my gosh, I I, I can't. Rec- was this Papa Shango Sid at WrestleMania eight? I I can't ever rec- recall a match that had a worse finishing spot, like from the timing.
1: You see, Uh, Gino, we can only say this now Because Harley Race is dead If Harley Race was alive And we said this He would summarily come to uh, all uh, of uh, our uh, apartments One at a time And kill us uh,
0: Yeah, and I mean, they were It wasn't like they missed this spot by a few seconds They were like minutes off With what was supposed to happen And, And it was so convoluted At the end Because You can tell that these guys aren't Ready for their finish here comes Harley Race here comes Vader They're supposed to be you know More heels, so they're not Going to help sting But but you could tell Rick Rude Is like oh shit these guys aren't ready (laughs) He's trying to start he starts whispering To sting something And he he goes for like a rude Awakening but then he stops And he whispers he looks around he's like oh crap When I'm when I'm supposed to do that (laughs) There's nobody here there's nobody here (laughs) And uh, and he's like trying to like just pass time until he realizes you know until he can see Harley and what's gonna happen. But I don't know. I, the match wasn't gonna be a great one before because physically, Rude doesn't have a whole lot left. And so this the ending DZ just really hurt it from from you know uh, being way way off. Positives though. Man, I f- you forget about how over Sting was This crowd really, really loves Sting Rude yeah. still got the heel heat going But he just physically doesn't have a whole lot left And uh, unfortunately, that the spot at the end was just way off
3: Yeah, the I mean, I went into this match Tempering my expectations Because I knew it was near the end Or actually was the end for Rude in the US um, And then in, when the match started I actually kind of got very excited because they started a thousand miles an hour. It was really Ruud, good pace. Rude takes like a couple of big bumps and does a big flip over the top, and I was like, "Oh, all right, maybe," you know. But then as the match goes on, rude Rude wears down pretty quickly, which, you know, you have to expect because he's he's got a a back problem, and um, in his in in his next match when he goes over to Japan, he actually catches the back on a on a corner of a. I don't know if it was a table or or if it was the uh, it might have been the 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 ring walkway coming up where it it digs into his back and that's pretty much the end of him um, in terms of his wrestling career as as a as an in ring worker but yeah you you touched on all the the crazy stuff the other thing that that I that I watched and I really laughed is that um, Nick Patrick literally watches <laughs> Harley Race. I know. Come up with the chair. Yep. Hits rude. Yeah. Hit the chair like Nick Patrick's got his. He's staring right at it. You know. Right at it, and as soon as Sting gets in the
0: cover, he just pops up. Oh. One, two, three. <laughs> so, it's these four like, guys oh are. Oh my old. god! It's like they're just. It's your live your timings off the people miss their spots and you just got to sit there. He did such a poor job of at least pretending like he didn't see it. He's just looking right at it. Like
3: you got to like, you know, just be like, okay, they're not ready. I'm just going to go back down and just lay here. And when he gets hit with the chair, have like sting come in, like shake him and wake him up at least and get the three count. Instead of just staring there and watching the entire thing happen. Um, yeah. It's, it's a messy finish for sure. Uh, A very tough end for what is Rude's last match in the U.S., but, man, nobody seems to care when that three-count gets hit. The place explodes because Sting, at this point, is probably, uh, well, he definitely is one of the most over-wrestlers regardless of company or territory.
1: For a guy that could only do two things, Sting was pretty good because, you know, judging by his theme song. uh, No, 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 no. Judging by his theme song, he does this He does that. Yeah. Yes. Some of the the lyrics in early to mid-90s WCW theme songs are uh, special. Let's just (laughs) throw it that way. Special. Steinerized is another favorite, too. But uh, anyway, this is still a three-star match despite the horrible finish. They start out at 100 miles an hour with Harley taken, not the... Not the simplest bump over the top Rope on a sting charge And then rude takes that big bump and Goes flying before the robe even Comes off i mean have the decency To let him cut the what i'd like to have Right now promo stinger come on Um how Is sting still wrestling
3: I can we can know. we just
1: like how not
3: and, and even still wrestling like falling off of like crowds into tables cross but, bodies off of yeah. I
1: I know this is supposed to be a retro look back
3: but no
0: please
1: sti- seeing Sting still work at sixty some odd years of age look reasonably okay and feel comfortable jumping off of really high things. Uh, I, I don't know where the fountain of youth is, but I think if anyone knows, he'll be able to point us in a direction. My God. Um, th- this match is fine. It tells a pretty simple story. Uh it, the people that early on compared John Cena to Sting, it, it's dead on because the cardio is there. The work set, the the move set is simple but effective. Mm-hmm. It's it's really uncanny. Uh Harley, you know, he misses Q, but you know what? The chair still hits Rude by accident Sting wins and the crowd goes bonkers You check the box and you move on It's not the main event It's not the last thing people remember And there's enough really good stuff on this show To where it
0: doesn't stand out As much as it probably should it, that, You know what, I think the, what, what the show was helped by Is that when I'm looking at this show on paper Two of the matches that I'm like Oh, okay, I'm really pumped for Austin, Muda, Sting, Rude and those two matches were probably my two Biggest disappointments on the card In just from what I was expecting and what was delivered But two matches that I weren't expecting Anything from Over delivered And so it ended up still being a really good show Because those other two matches aren't terrible They're just disappointing And maybe wasn't what I, what I wasn't hoping for And uh, one match we're going to get to in a minute I I was shocked I was really really pleased with how good that one was But uh, before we get there Let's get to Bunkhouse Buck and Dustin Rhodes and Bobby's looking around for Hulk Hogan in the crowd. This is something that Darren had mentioned earlier and so we know that the birdies are out there for uh, for the Hulkster is this is a quick start too. I mean, Dustin comes out, he runs out and he dives over the top rope right onto Bunkhouse Buck. We get a big superplex He's got his Texas t-shirt When he got a promo earlier on he, in the night He said, yeah, the difference The T in Texas is different than the T in Tennessee It was a real, like, a uh, trying to be dusty promo But it was good It was a good baby face uh, promo that we, we hit on earlier Tony mentions how Dustin says There's, you know, the big difference between the the Tennessee and, and Texas And Bobby says, yeah, there, there are a lot more letters in Tennessee It's like he he plays it deadpan again. Like, yeah, of course there's a difference, you know? Texas is shorter and Tennessee is longer. And we get lots of punches. We get the atomic elbow from Dustin, some of that Dusty Rhodes offense there. And he gets busted open pretty early on. And busted open. (laughs) Busted open. Just gushing. Gushing. He bleeds quite a bit too. And it's all over the white t shirt there for effect and all over his blonde hair. And um, one point he goes in and he gets a, a, a little like package of powder and he throws it in Bunkhouse Buck's eyes and dust he calls it or Bobby calls it Texas dirt. I don't know why that made me laugh so much, <laughs> but the powder is like, oh, it's just some of that Texas dirt. <laughs> it just I was chuckling. Um, we got uh I mean, these guys brawl. They really do and young Dustin is doing Everything he can there's uh, A moment where Bunk, Buck is kind of laying across the Top ropes and that's when Dustin Is using it to, to have some fun with the Punches with the elbow there We get the belt buckle where uh, You know in, Dustin takes off his cowboy boot he uses it To smash Buck in the face then we get the belt Buckle he's whipping him in the back with the belt We get the elbow drops in the corner and Then a big clothesline We get a uh, bulldog and then Colonel Parker uh, gets up on the apron To distract Dustin He ends up suplexing him into the ring And then we get a uh, a roll up But uh, we get a kick out there And now Dustin tries to go after Buck But the ref won't allow him Which is just kind of kind of weird um, And Buck, or he tries to go after um, uh, Colonel Parker And the ref doesn't see The brass knucks as Buck Takes them out, hits him right in the face Although, which is funny, DZ Is legal this everything's is a, legal. everything's yeah. legal So I understand what they're trying to do In wanted to see like they're Protecting Dustin but it, it, I mean Everything's legal so even if the, it, He could have done this right in front of the referee's face And it wouldn't have mattered all that much So I, That was the only thing that kind of took me away From this but I don't think it was bad uh, I think these guys Worked really hard but it wasn't like Bunkhouse Buck was a, a main Stream name or a, a mainstay towards The top of the card but Dustin would be for uh, a while Now moving forward he would always be sort of A mid-carder or uh, You know he'd have some some dances with You know feuds towards the top of the card But you could tell he had a lot of potential You could tell he was working hard and this was One of the the matches that they were You know building towards most of the night They went they gave him a lot of time here These guys got over 14 minutes Nothing bad and I, I Actually I was sort of Surprised, because I thought Bunkhouse Buck was worse And I was like, ah, you know what? It wasn't all that bad They have a match that they wrestle on the back of a truck What's that match, Andrew? Did we, did we do that one? Or they? Uh, we, I, I, if we did, I don't
1: remember it And I think that's a good thing I think yeah.
0: anyone who has ever watched it Should not remember it Yeah, that, that match that <laughs> they have like about a year later Where they wrestle on the back of a moving vehicle What did you think about this one, DZ? I,
3: I thought this was good um, You know, I didn't expect it to be I didn't really remember much about bunkhouse buck. And I know there's a very young Dustin Rhodes here, Um, but I I thought it was good for, for what the style of match was. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it picked up speed. It started off a thousand miles an hour, slowed down, picked back up again. Um, You know, there was nothing in it that I thought was dumb. Uh, Dustin was working the crowd well with the elbows and doing the stuff that his dad did. Um, The crowd was into it. Uh, Bunk, I thought played a great heel. Uh, And then, uh, You know. Furthermore, you know, maybe the ending was somewhat predictable with the heel cheating to win, but but that's okay. That happens in these matches. They get the brass knuckles and and they get the win. But uh, I I thought it was highly entertaining. I'm not a big blood and guts guy, but this is the style of match that kind of requires that. Uh, And and I thought I I thought it, it was fine. I thought it was close to a three star match for. Uh, For what it was and and it was much better than I had anticipated going in
0: It's andrew I think it's all about expectations right when we talk about a show like this These are some of the matches that you may not have come in expecting a whole lot from And then you get pleasantly surprised when they when they deliver
1: Yeah, I have this is a three-star match as well Uh, I strive to love anything as much as bobby heenan loves saying buck snort tennessee Uh, You can tell he was really enjoying that um, I, I liked the, uh, more letters in Tennessee joke because I got to tell you, if there are any Texas longhorn or Tennessee volunteer fans out there, you're going to be bringing torches to my door. It's the same shade of orange. Stop acting like it isn't. Um, my only problem with this match, it drags a little long. This is a 10 minute match that stretched to 15 for yeah, I can see that. no, no real reason also. And I'm picking nits it's a good brawl on the shame show as a great brawl. Like it's, it's a three star match on the same show as a four and a quarter star match that maybe I undermarked just because I, I wasn't crazy about the headshots, but far as I'm concerned, this was, this was good. It's not great, but it's good. And it's probably better than you think it is when you hear the words bunkhouse match. Right. So,
0: so we go backstage and this actually reminded me a little bit of Starcade one that we that we talked about not that long ago, where Jesse's trying to talk with Rick Rude and he's you know, he's freaking out, but he's just bleeding from the nose. You know, he's just yeah. got blood just like all over his face and he's furious and he's screaming like crazy and I didn't want them to come out there and they ruined and one of this and It reminded me a little bit of that vibe from Starcade 1 where they're just in the back and, like, oh, who's that? Just dead right there. The guy just, Moscow's cutting a promo and right next to him (laughs) is (laughs) dead. He's just laying, just out cold, (laughs) just bleeding. Just just covered in red, (laughs) like dried
3: crimson. I just, I sort of got that vibe here, bitch.
1: Can somebody get somebody
2: (laughs) a band aid back there or something?
1: Somebody, somebody needs to
2: check on that guy. I, know, I think that guy's not doing well. You know, it just—it was uh. That should mean, somebody should turn
0: that into a meme. I, I swear, just that it. guy sitting there. Just everything is okay, right? Nothing to see here. Like that meme, he's just out. That was that How was, was funny. your Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so uh, that was right before we got the Vader versus the Boss match. And you know what, this was another one on the show that impressed me And that I wasn't expecting all that much I was going, okay, big boss man at this point But I think we forget, big boss man, whether or not you loved the character He did actually have a lot of years left of working Where he would come back to the WWF He would be that evil hired hitman type guy for. Vince McMahon, and for the corporation, and, and then he would serve up Al Snow's dog on a silver <laughs> plate. Serve, he was a part of the dog match, and then the hanging. So a couple real controversial, uh, controversial parts. The stuff with Big Show and his dad too. But all of that, some cringy stuff. But the guy still had years of being in the type of shape where he could go. This match was pretty fun. I actually liked it. I thought these two big men work their butts off here. You've got the Big Boss man who's in his police uniform but not the baby blue, you know, he's uh we got the the navy blue here for him. And he goes to meet Vader at the entrance right away. It's all Big Boss man early on, the boss. And you know, with these big men, you're going to get up, you know, some awkward spots here or there, but we get Vader leaping over the top rope, which was like, "What? Are you kidding me?" There's this super awkward looking like back body drop that sends the boss outside and we get uh a couple suplexes. We get this uh the box, the boss goes back over the top into the ring. He has he hits a back suplex. There's one point where he just sort of just throws Vader on his side, but that's kind of what I want from big guys. It's not supposed to look pretty and overly choreographed and overly smooth, because these guys aren't supposed to be flying through the air and, and hanging, um, Vader gets busted open like he always does, and we get a big clothesline. Nasty
3: looking thing. It looked like his eye was about to pop out of his head too. I know
0: it was gr- yeah. really kind of gross looking. So he goes up top, and then the boss hits this like first he slams him, then he hits like a like a DDT off the middle rope, which yeah. was which was pretty cool, and then boss just goes up top. He just th- He's like throwing his body At Vader It's like an awkward looking cross body Just trying to get any sort of advantage And all of a sudden Vader catches him Wild In a spot. Pa- yeah. power slam
3: Yeah it was a six spot
0: Wow yeah. these two guys were going at it If you're Doing the uh, big guy that can move shot tracker. Everybody How many? drink at least three or four throughout this match, huh, Andrew? I thought uh, I thought they had some fun spots. I forgot that the you know the boss man still had this this kind of oomph in him at this time period in WCW because he had a lot of pretty bad gimmicks and kind of bad character changes in WCW. But the crowd starts loving this, and you know what? I think both of the announcers. Start getting into it a little bit too. With these big guys are going at it. Vader with uh, the Vader bomb, but that's not enough. The boss kicks out. Then he hits the moon salt for the win. They go. Uh... So the only thing I thought about it was weird is that you know after the match, it looks like Vader and Harley Race are about to lay like really lay the wood to to bot the boss and double team him even more. They've got the handcuffs, but he flips it around. And the boss actually takes out the nightstick. He starts He's to attack shit out of Harley Race. He's just nailing <laughs> Harley Race. And it's almost like a like a heel turn for him here, where Bachwinkle takes him in the back and he tells him, Hey, I'm taking your nightstick. I'm taking your handcuffs. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be a like a, a model of uh, to the public as a as a police officer. He says, I'm stealing your name. You're not even allowed to be called the boss man anymore Or the boss So, DZ, this was The the end of it was a little bit goofy But this was another one of those pleasant surprises on the night These guys, they didn't overstay their welcome This wasn't This was a nine-minute match And kind of like what Andrew was hitting on the last one It wasn't a nine-minute match match In a 15-minute match You know, it was a a solid nine minutes Where these guys worked pretty hard
3: Yeah, I, I thought Uh I thought it was a good match. I really did. I, I thought uh, for,
0: you this know, this might've guys... been one of my favorite boss man matches of all time. Honestly.
3: Yeah. Th- th- my, I think my favorite boss man match of all time is probably SummerSlam 91 against the Mountie.
0: Yep. He's got the good one with Mr. Perfect too. The going which... with perfect is good. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, th- th- no, this is fine. Listen, I was a big Vader guy in WCW. I loved Vader. I loved when he came out with that giant helmet thing on. It was, it was an awesome sight. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh it, it another match that going back and watching it, I said to myself, wow, this, this was this was pretty damn good. Um, the interesting thing, so um WWF was threatening to sue WCW because uh intellectual property theft in regards to Big Boss Man and the boss. So This whole thing about him stripping his name was their way on television of getting away from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He would go on to become Guardian Angel. Is that right? And then I think later on was what? Big Bubba or Big Big Bubba. Bubba. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, but they they, they were going to get sued by WWF because of intellectual property. Um, he kind of still basically looks exactly like the big boss man. I mean, it's literally the same exact character. I know. Um, yeah, it's it's the same exact character. He's got all he did was change the color of the cop outfit. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, but yeah, I Andrew, I I really enjoyed this. Uh, two big guys throwing themselves around the ring, and for my money, the the crossbody that Vader catches and turns into a real quick power slam. That was one of the spots of the night. I thought.
1: This is a three and a half star match. And if you want to go a little bit higher than that, I'm not going to begrudge you too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bobby Heenan has another really good line here. So uh, the boss comes down the aisle, down comes Vader. They start fighting in the aisle. Vader charges into Harley and everybody goes down and Heenan sounds aghast and yells, Why does WCW even bother setting up a ring? Nobody (laughs) fights in
0: it.
1: Uh, Yeah. And again, there were a couple
0: times throughout the night where he said that that there was another one where he he acts about bringing someone there. He goes, Well, I was going to bring them, but WCW wouldn't give me tickets. You know, WCW. You know, I I love that throughout the night that he he mentioned that a few times, like they were cheap or something. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah.
1: So uh, that was a pretty funny line. Vader bumps like a madman for a guy his size. Now, He's introduced at four hundred and fifty pounds. That's some wrestling math there, because there's no way someone who's four hundred and fifty pounds can do that. It's still wildly impressive, but when I heard four hundred and fifty pounds, I laughed pretty hard.
3: Just you know, one right? of those he's pro- things. He's probably like three seventy or something. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. three eighty. Yeah, yeah, that seems no.
1: about right. Yeah. Um, Boss gets a back suplex that looks really cool. He gets a flying tackle. Uh, he dumps Vader off the top, and then he gets this DDT thing. Like, yeah. I think it was supposed to be a tornado DDT, sort of like Lucha Boss Man, who knew we needed that. But uh, he gets a body press for two, and then Darren hit it. That power slam's a thing of beauty. Vader does the second rope splash. Boss kicks out of that, but then we get Lucha Vader doing the <laughs> moon salt. The human body's not supposed to be able to do that. It just isn't. Uh, This was a lot of fun. It was a case where, as far as time goes, less was more. There were 10-minute matches on this show that didn't overstay their welcome, and there were a couple of 15-minute matches that could have been a lot shorter and probably been a lot better. It's a a three-and-a-half-star match. Vader looks fantastic. It might be the best one-on-one match of Boss's career. It's more good stuff.
0: Really, really love this Um, Yeah, as Mean Gene plugs the hotline One more time before the main event We go backstage with Jesse And then that's when we see Nick Bockwinkle Talking about how he took the nightstick The handcuffs and the name away from the boss So we get The World Heavyweight Championship match Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat And these guys are both babyfaces at the time So that's that's what's always unique About, uh, you know, this time Period with Flair too is Early Flair was a baby face A little later Flair was a baby face But for a lot of his run he's the heel So when he he is a baby face He's going to try to work a little different It's just going to be a tad different than the normal Flair That you're used to here And these guys are, are buddies, really good friends um, in, in real life And so in kind of doing some of the research And reading up Flair beat Vader to get into this match He wasn't sure if he was going to Put himself in this match But he wanted to have one more run uh, with Steamboat And then get ready for Hogan coming in Because I think they all sort of knew That uh, Hogan was going to come in And win the, win the big belt They were going to end up um, Putting the world heavyweight title And the international title And they were going to unify those belts For one major heavyweight championship So that's what we're going to get now in the coming months following this But what we get first is a damn fine match between Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat Big long intro from Michael Buffer And we, yeah, he goes through everyone involved Uh, We got just a big fight feel Really, really good stuff We see uh, Ric Flair's wife in the crowd and uh, it looks well,
3: ecstatic be- to be there, by the way. Beth Flair,
0: right? Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> get me out of here. Mista, get me out of here. And <laughs> she, 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 she says, uh, uh, Bobby, which I thought was kind of cool as Ric Flair walks down, says that Ric Flair is Babe Ruth. He is Red Grange, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Wayne Gretzky, and Jack Nicholas uh, all rolled into one. And oh, yeah, Hugh Hefner, too. Um, But I just thought it was so fascinating Darren to kind of think about where we Were in In sports because at that time period Those are all the greatest of all time Or like the guys that were thought to be the greatest in their In their sport and yeah. I was just Thinking about that it was funny because Michael Jordan Was just coming up Right yeah like he was he, he wasn't Michael Jordan then so nobody Would have said Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all Time it was Kareem who had You know who was thought of as Probably the greatest player of all time. And you know, Wayne Gretzky and he mentioned Red Grange and Babe Ruth. So it is fascinating to see how if if just Corey Graves were to say that same thing nowadays, he'd mention different people using the same kind yeah. of reference.
3: Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed this crowd is not very big on Ricky Steamboat. You hear you no. hear booze out there on, on, no, you're on right. Steamboat. Yeah. Which I found to be interesting. Um, look, it is a it is a Typical Flair steamboat match. It's over a half hour long. You're going in expecting it to be a solid wrestling match with a lot of holds, a lot of mat wrestling. You know, this is not going to be your high flying, 1,000 uh, mile an hour match. This is an old school NWA style wrestling match. If that's not your thing because you are a modern day wrestling fan, so be it. But the Flair steamboat matches back in the day, were always a thing of beauty. Uh is it their greatest match that they ever ha- had at all time? Uh, probably not. I think um the one at the uh the uh the one in Chicago five years earlier then might have been it. There was another one before that that was damn good as well. Um but this match is is good. It's probably a four star match. If you want to go four and a quarter it's fine. You want to go three and three quarters fine. But I I thought I thought it's an excellent match. I think it checks all the body. Look, you you need to go into this match knowing what it's going to be, and and it, and, it, and if you do that, it gives you what you expect it to be. Um, you know the, the the figure four stuff you get both ways, the chops, the back and forth. Um, but yeah, I mean you put these two in the ring, and uh, you know it's just not going to be a bad match. Now, the finish they could have done better. Um, it's confusing. They raise
0: Flair's hand, even totally though that's, I, I hate when they though, do stuff like this where the crowd doesn't know. You want to get the moment where the crowd reacts, either yeah. positively or negatively, and the crowd yeah. doesn't know what to do here.
3: And by the way, um, here is a difference with WWF and WCW that's going to be pro-WWF. And here's the difference between having the Fink and having Michael Buffer. If this were to happen in WWF, this exact same finish, Fink gets on the mic... The crowd gets quiet and he says, ladies and gentlemen, due to the fact that both wrestlers had both shoulders on the mat, exactly and the referee counted three, this match is a double pinfall and has been declared a draw still your heavyweight champion, Ric Flair. That's not what happens.
0: They're raising they- Flair's hand like he won the match. Exactly.
3: And, and that's and a you- problem. And
0: that's why right. Ricky Steamboat would be pissed off too. He's like, what do you mean? He won. Can you give right. me more. Tell the crowd. Right. Uh, which
3: And that comes after the fact where they were doing a good job, where they get on camera, uh, Patrick telling uh, Bottengale, no, I counted both. They both had their shoulders on the mat. I had to count three on both of them. Neither of them had control of the pin. They both I counted both wrestlers' shoulders down. So he does a good job there. So the TV people watching are understanding it. But then they just go and they raise Flair's hand. I know. Um, so they screwed that part of it up. That being aside, I'm not going to get on the wrestlers for that For me, it's a four-star match
0: Yeah, it it builds, Andrew, and they do mention early in the match That Steamboat is a guy who's never really been a, a, a bad guy He's never taken shortcuts, he's never cheated The crowd's always liked him, and he's actually heard a few boos Because... So many crowds like Ric Flair So I thought that was just cool that Tony mentioned that uh, From the beginning But we get everything that you'd imagine from these guys I mean it starts, it builds It crescendos, you get the mat wrestling early on Then you get The middle of the match where they they sort of slow down They kind of take turns Focusing in on on different body parts And and trying to wear the other one down a little bit And then You're going to get the last like 10 plus minutes once Once they hit we get a, a chop uh, Flare chops of a, a steamboat drop Toe hold I, I, I Bobby says you know I'm, I'm a legend in this sport and if you don't Believe me just ask me So Tony goes, <laughs> Tony goes Hey Bobby are you a legend in this sport He goes what are you stupid of course I am I just said that It was just, it was just so <laughs> it was So funny it was just like those, those are kind of things where if somebody Put that down in a script and said hey here's your Lines People could deliver it and it Wouldn't be funny but it's the Way that Bobby does it that with The, the, the way that he can he can uh, present The material it's just it's great Stuff man just from an all-time Entertainer here both men go over The top in a, a pretty cool spot uh, Flair tries a pile driver outside But then Steamboat flips that back Into a back body drop we get a, a Superplex and uh, <laughs> then there's one Spot where they're outside and, and, and uh, Steamboat's like Goes crashing into the guardrail And he's hanging upside down And Tony calls him a bat He said he's, he's hanging upside down like a bat Which I just thought was funny Because the visual of, uh, of Steamboat just hanging upside down there. Now we hit the 20 minute mark And he's uh, Lots of punches from Steamboat uh, Steamboat comes back in And he locks in the figure 4 And so Flair's Crawling to get to the ropes And every time he gets close Steamboat pulls him back in And is like wrenching on it I thought it was really cool The way it looked And as I said this last 10 minutes or so Bobby's going crazy with all the near falls As you'd expect in any Ric Flair match Just so much fun up until the, the convoluted ending here But I agree with DZ I mean this is at le- To me it's at least a four star match If you don't want to go much higher than that Because of the ending I can understand there But these guys go for 30 plus minutes They tell a fantastic story And Andrew you're going to get a lot of the In any steamboat match You're going to get You know in any wrestling match Every guy has their go-to moves and their repertoire But this was a different type of match Than the matches they'd had before But you still get some of the greatest hits And even for a guy who didn't have many matches left Steamboat was still in fantastic shape Because he was going to get injured not long after this And Flair could still absolutely go These guys were great here And uh, maybe just not as great as they were When they had a fi- five-star matches a few years earlier
1: yeah. And you can't hold it against guys for getting older either. So let's uh, just make that point. These guys yeah. had, I mean, I don't know how many matches they had over the 15 year period when Ricky Steamboat came into uh, the mid Atlantic area. And then up until this point where they're fighting against 15 years later or something close to that, they had a ton of of matches that were at least four stars, many of which very few people saw at the time because they were in that old TV studio that Jim Crockett used back in the early eighties. This is a great match with a lousy, lazy finish. If you're trying to get Ric Flair ready for Hogan, have him beat Steamboat here. I know. Is is the is Steamboat gonna be hurt by a lost no. champion after a long match? Absolutely not. No. I I understand Steamboat was never going over here and Flair probably didn't want to feel like he was burying the guy. But at the same time, it's clear they are building to what is up to that point the biggest money match in the history of WCW, which is Ric Flair against Hulk Hogan. By that logic, Flair's got to go over here and he doesn't. It's it just one of those things you look back on and you look back at the ways Ric Flair was booked both right before and in the years after Hulk Hogan comes in, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This is a great match. If you haven't seen it before, much like the rest of this pay-per-view, it is absolutely worth checking out. I have it as a four-star match. The only negative is the way that it ended. It left me shaking my head, and it ended this pay-per-view on a note sour enough to where I wouldn't be surprised if that's a reason we don't remember it as fondly as we should.
0: Yeah, you're right cuz it is a really good show top to bottom it's about 2 hours and 50 minutes so not even 3 hours and it doesn't drag at all. It's a quick watch. Does it you know there were maybe two matches on the show that you could have cut 3 or 4 minutes out of. That's about it. And even the the matches that are that we talked about in in sort of like a negative sense in a vacuum, those are not bad wrestling matches. Those are just matches that we wanted a little bit more from because the performers in those matches were some all-time great performers and for whatever reason the chemistry or the the health of rude you know towards the end or whatever was going on in the muda austin match that was just maybe a tad just off but those th- those couple of matches i i think this is my favorite boss man match ever in in that ra- in that match with vader i think that's my favorite nasty boys match ever both of those matches are really, really good. The Bunkhouse Buck uh, Rhodes match is one that, I mean, it's my favorite Bunkhouse Buck match. I guess we could say that. I don't, I don't have like yeah. a list. I don't have a list of like my uh, top ten Bunkhouse Buck matches. But I'm, I'm, sur- I'm surprised you don't. I was gonna say, yeah, we, you know, we do, we do a lot here. We dive in on that's what G said. But yeah, this was the ending wonky. The crowd was loud, lots of cheers, but some boos as you would get, like any sort of dusty finish. Is going to get some booze And that was one of the problems Is that you're coming off of Dusty And some of the problems that people had With the booking of Dusty Was everything was just a little too wonky You know, there was always a a bit too convoluted It couldn't just be straightforward And this was, as Andrew was saying You're you're building up Flair for Hogan In one of these matches That's going to be an all-time match That they never really did in WWF and you're gonna put Hogan over. So have Flair look really strong along the way, not have to do this. And then he ends up winning the title on like a WCW Saturday night. So it just why why wouldn't you rather have that moment be here? Or you know, or he ends up, you know, that I guess he, he beats Steamboat and officially wins the match on a Saturday night show. I just feel like that would have been better here. You could have even had Steamboat as the buddy give him a hug afterwards and kind of, you know, the respect between the two baby faces. So I I agree A little bit of a wonky ending for what was a great show But uh, Darren you hit on it I liked And I don't know if it would work overall And it wasn't like a long term thing I did like what they were trying to do with Bockwinkle You know have him be just Hey this guy was a real respected wrestler He's going to be the commissioner He makes the decisions So if anything weird happens We're going to go to him and ask him And we heard him talk like we saw him at the ring a couple times We heard him after the match with the boss And we heard him explain what was going on Which made a lot of sense to me But he didn't get to say that to the crowd The crowd didn't know what was happening And it felt weird It was like, are you building to a Saturday night show? Why didn't you just build to the big Pay-per-view match that you have here?
3: Yeah um, it, It's it's kind of the difference between WWF and WCW at the time mm-hmm. um, They They touch on the Vader stuff and they touch on the Hogan stuff, but there's no real connection. It's just another great Flair steamboat match. It's more about that than where the story is going or what's coming next. It's more about recreating the magic from five years ago in Chicago. And I get it. They want to give these two guys their spot, but at the same time you also have to tell the story and pave the way for what is going to happen next. And they did not do that here.
0: Andrew, give us some of your uh, your final thoughts On this match and uh, overall on the show
1: I'm happy Darren picked the show Because I had seen bits and pieces I had seen the Chicago Street fight before That doesn't get old The things that are good on this show Are really good The things that aren't great Are still historical curiosities I can't imagine Steve Austin And the great Muda wrestled much more than this This might be their only time You still get Johnny B. Bad before he's Mark Merrow in the WWF. You still get Diamond Dallas Page when he's carrying about a thousand gimmicks at once and trying to make anything stick, which, if you listen to him talk about that part of his career, that's what he was doing. You get a better than expected Dustin Rhodes match. You get probably the best match of Ray Trailer's career, the big boss man, Ray Trailer, the boss, whatever you want to call him. This is a darn good show. WCW, when they were right, was capable of putting on some really strong shows, and this is one of the best ones they did.
0: Thanks, as always, to uh, Andrew and to Darren, I think before the the, uh, the recording, I gave credit to Andrew, but it was DZ's pick, actually, and uh, we'll, uh, Andrew will be picking the next old wrestling rewatch that'll come to you in a couple weeks from now. Now, if you're looking for NBA baseball, NFL schedule, it's kind of quick reaction And then Sunday racing from Louisiana Downs and even some uh, Monday racing From Louisiana, we'll also give you some Sunday racing from Santa Anita, all of that On the next episode of That's What G Said That's going to be released on Friday So make sure to pay attention for that Hope everyone has a fantastic Weekend and uh, we'll be back again With you very soon here in the next uh, 24 hours or so with a ton More content, Joey buddy Let's hear that song